Once again, we open the grimoire. Wait a second. No, that's not right. Once again, it's January, and we're talking about John Carpenter, and it's Thursday night, and everybody's gathered around Twitch, every single one of you on the internet, to watch the show only simply known as... Hey, you see this one? The year is 2024, and two friends once again invite you to join them in revisiting, or discovering for the first time, the masterworks of a filmmaker who transcends genre, whose horrors have lurked in the dark, broken free from the ice, crawled straight from hell, or even pulled themselves from the very pits of a mad mind who showed us the hidden corners of Chinatown, sent a man from the stars, and dragged us to New York, LA, and even Mars. Nearly unmatched as a genre filmmaker, once again, Hey, Did You See This One? invites you to look upon the works of a genius. We present to you, Jan. Carpenters in the month of madness. month time of the month again it's, it's time of the year it's the time of the year uh what was i talking about oh yeah it's jan carpenters in the month of madness week three <laughs> we're doing it uh this week this week we're talking about uh assault on precinct 13 um mm-hmm. and our guest this week is friend of the show fan of the show former guest of the show tim covey welcome back tim thank you for having me back it looked like you needed to read his name off the cue card there for a second. Tim <laughs> Kobe. No, I just it's it's kind of a heavy lift to look at the buttons. Yeah. I joke. I know you know Tim's name. <laughs> yes, I know his name. The three of us saw a movie together recently. A mm-hmm. movie that we may or may not discuss in the future. 
We will probably talk about it in the future. We'll probably have him on to talk about that movie in April. Ooh. Spoiler <laughs> alert. No, let's not. No, let's not spoiler it. Let's just leave it unspoilered. <laughs> it's a huge um, spoiler. I'm it's just, such a spoiler. I'm just getting the sound levels right here. Because I sound kind of quiet. Maybe I'm not talking into the microphone. You sound pretty good to me. Okay. I can hear you. All right, cool. Okay, well, <laughs> this is a show. Uh, it's a weekly movie show uh, where we react and, and review uh, a different movie each and every week. Uh, like I said, it is Jan Carpenter's in the month of madness, the month where we talk about John Carpenter. Uh, this is the third year running, I believe. We are running out of movies, uh, which is great. <laughs> because once I think we've got a year and a half left. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll have to come up with some, some sort of new thing. Um, but in the meantime, we are talking about Assault on Precinct 13. Um, this is a fantastic film. But before we get to that, I uh, I just want to talk about uh, something that we do each and every week. And that is I'll put up an image from the from the movie poster and I'll have people online guess it. Uh, this is a fan guessing game. Congratulations. You have successfully guessed the correct answer, which is the answer you provided. Congratulations! Congratulations! So ah. I actually kind of dropped the ball this week because I had to be on another podcast yesterday. I was on the Hold Up, a movie podcast yesterday. So I kind of it slipped my mind on Monday to put this up. I'm kind of a day behind all week. I also have Super Kick tomorrow night. It's hectic week. Uh, but I did get two valuable uh, brand new submissions. One from Jimmy Vandelay, a friend of mine who uh, used to do refing. He's a local ref. Local Jimmy Vandelay of Vandelay Industries? <laughs> of Vandelay Industries. Something tells me that's not his real last name. I also know him as Jimmy Sketches on, uh, on uh, Instagram. Jimmy Sketches of Sketches Industry? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, he got it right, and he just wanted to say, be excellent to each other, station. And then uh, he mentioned that John Carpenter is one of his top three directors of all time. I believe he said the other two were Kurosawa and Steven Spielberg's. Uh, so thank you, Jim. Um, also, Whoa. Brody Trottier. Steve, I believe you know this man. Who? Brody from the escape rooms, I think. So, oh. Do you remember that guy? I don't know. He worked at the tower, I, I think. Brody, if, oh. if you're listening to this and I have that wrong, I'm sorry. I, uh, I, I also didn't work at the tower really that much, so I didn't get to know everybody that well. That's I know I, you worked there pretty often. so Yeah, I lived across the street, so I was stationed, there, stationed 13 there for quite some Whoa. time. Or stationed from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> exactly. each other. Um, he says, I, I, I was like... A lot of these people are caught off guard, even though I'm like, you'll get a shout out or a plug. And everybody's like, what? A what? What does, a, that, what mean? does that mean? You, you calling like, me a plug? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get a plug in the mail. Yeah. I'm going to send him a uh, You know, a lot of people don't know that term. Like when I call someone a plug around people I'm not familiar with all that, they're like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, I don't know. I just mean like a doofus, I guess. That's <laughs> from your childhood, though, because I know a plug yeah. is like a drug dealer. Yeah, I, a plug is like a butt plug. Like you're like a, yeah. you're just like you're use you're a clog of information. That's great. I want to use it yeah. that way from now on. But Brody said, I guess just a shout out to my girlfriend Vanessa. Shout out to my amazing girlfriend Vanessa. There's nothing better than watching old Siskel and Ebert reviews on to YouTube with you. So, 
Thank you. That's nice. Thank you. And I learned that you can go watch Siskel and Ebert old reviews on, on YouTube. YouTube. You can. You That's can watch good. almost anything on YouTube if you search hard enough hard and long enough. enough. <laughs> um, if you have the change your VPN it. to Russia and you can find almost anything. <laughs> yes, it's true. That's how we were going to do Cocoon for the show. We almost had to go to Russian, Russian Facebook. Yeah. Uh, which is even crazier. Cocoon. Very hard movie to find. Even if you're pirating it, it's like impossible to find that movie. Like, it's it's not even a situation where there's just no seeds and leechers. It's just not there. It just doesn't exist. Because yeah. I don't think it ever got... It's probably it was on been... Netflix once, like 15 years ago for maybe five minutes. Not even enough time for you to watch the whole movie, the whole runtime. You just see the lemon that party part. suspiciously weird. Yeah, we were trying to do it on, on our alien abduction month, but we couldn't find it anywhere. So we're just like, Mars Attacks? Or I can't remember what we changed it to, but we changed it to something else. Well, no, we had to sit through the fucking fourth kind. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> I see, I've already I've already washed my brain of that experience because it was so bad. Great episode of I this show. I was wondering show. why you guys just didn't do something like Cocoon instead of that movie. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Great episode of this show because me and Steven, uh, a friend of the show, Jared, ripped it to shreds. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a rare time where we actually get a movie that we're just like, I can't believe we had to sit through this. Speaking of, <laughs> this is not that. This is a much better film than that. Before we get to mm -hmm. that, I just want to uh, give a shout out to John Carpenter, the man himself, who had a birthday a couple days ago. Um, I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg, if it was, hey, it's John Carpenter's birthday month. Let's do this special month. Or if we just mentioned I it. I think what happened was we were trying to choose a month and i suggested that we do all john carpenter months because he has such a you know plethora of different genres that we could play around with and it would be fun to sort of examine them from different uh not have to do like one theme rather just take a person and be able to do different themes and, and see how they play around with it and then we looked mm. up or i think i might have looked up like john carpenter was like hey his birthday is also this month let's call it jan carpenter month it's perfect mm -hmm. so happy birthday john carpenter i you'll probably happy see, birthday john you'll see this eventually i hope uh I should can start you and kurt russell just get back together and make another escape and or a big trouble movie for god's sake please yeah, just make just it like something awesome make it yeah. like the newest indie where he's got some sidekick that does most of the heavy lifting but kurt russell's just there like i'm snake Plissken. there were a yeah, few no directors. computers no computers <laughs> <laughs> there were a few directors in the early 2000s that got really into video games and they started making video games and they made a the thing video game and i think he was pretty involved in the making of that mm -hmm. uh, I, I also know that he loves playing video games but uh Clive Barker also got into it. I, I think he was, he developed one game. I can't remember what it was called. It was Clive Barker something, but it was very similar to like Doom or something like that. Yeah. Oh, I'll have that. to look all that up. But yeah, you're right. And uh, even if he came back and made a video game, like imagine that escape. would still be awesome. I mean, I guess the Metal Gear games are basically just basically, continuations yeah. of the, of the escape if, series. If he joined the military and <laughs> yeah. like for real and then became a spy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, just before we get to our brief history, um, basically another thing I want to do is once again, shout out to white bat audio, the song that we've uh, been using for that intro that Steve is using. It's great. It has such a cool, like build up while he's, he's talking and then the drop when he's showing the clips and then into our logos, like it's just so well done. It's perfect for this mm -hmm. month. And I'm, I'm, I'm sad that we didn't get to use it. Previously. It also feels like John Carpenter music, which Absolutely. is really good. Yeah, which Absolutely. is why I chose yeah. it. 
And um, uh, just one more thing on that note, uh, uh, social media, go find us. Hey, did you see this one on all, on all platforms? Uh, give us a like, follow, and a share. Um, we really appreciate everybody who has come along on this ride with us so far. This was a pretty big milestone week. Um, every episode you can now find in video format up till now, in audio format up till now. Um, on, on Apple, on Spotify, <clears throat> even on YouTube has the audio versions. Um, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the year because instead of me spending all this time going back and working on our on-demand catalog, I can start doing new shit, baby. I've already started putting up shorts and TikToks. I took a week off from that because it's it's kind of a tedious process But if I have other things to worry about. But look for those coming down the pike. Um, I want to take specifically, uh, Tim, your episode where we talk about um, Castaway because there's so mm-hmm. much gold in that episode. And Steve does the best one one <laughs> noise uh, Tom Hanks impression that I want to <laughs> make lots of clips out of. So thank you, everyone. And uh, let's talk about this movie. So, of course, the same thing we like to do each and every week is talk about our... It's talk about our... A brief history! And I can't course, hear. I can't hear the sound effects. Is that an issue? Neither can I. Hear the sound effects. I was wondering if that was just me and, and my new audio setup. Oh shit! Let me just. Uh... But I did hear the audio for the Jan Carpenter, which means it should like in on Twitch. I didn't hear it on Zoom, so it's working on Twitch. So I, we don't have to worry about it that much. Yeah. Did you hear the hear music them. when you came in? Uh, I did no, not. But I didn't have Twitch open yet. Here, let me just double check something here. Everybody, everybody. Just make a fart noise and I'll tell you if it works on Twitch. <laughs> yes, please do. Yeah. There we yeah, go. That, okay. It, yeah. It, it, yeah, it doesn't matter, you know, like it's only <laughs> like the, the internet can hear it. It's just better if you. Well, guys... the farts do matter, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> the well-timed <laughs> fart is always great. Hey, check. I found this fart. <laughs> I ruined it. Um, I like the dry one better. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Here you go. A brief history. Back on track. If I ever decide to edit this, that'll be a good edit point. Uh, But it is a tradition around these parts, which I totally ripped off from Hot Ones. I'm still working on it. What did I write down to change that? Um... Around here, Around t- here we, we make the guests go first. <laughs> Around here, uh, it's a time-honored tradition to give the guests the first opportunity to give their brief history. <laughs> That's you, Tim. Well, <laughs> my brief history is actually, uh, for a change on this show, extremely brief. I watched this once as a teenager and completely forgot about it. I just knew it existed and then skipped out on the remake and then watched it today uh and it was uh very refreshing and very interesting to examine again but that i I don't have much else to say as far as my history goes um outside of been a john carpenter fan for a super long time so it it was cool to re-examine it this way and and kind of see the talent when it was raw before a lot of refinement uh took fold cool that's that's it. There we go. Yeah, I mean, Steve, I think you might have a bit more of a, a history with this one because I brought it up and you you had talked about how it's uh, it's like his first film, right? Like his first actual. Uh, it's, yeah, it's one of his first films. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's his very first. No, Dark Star. His first real credit is Dark Star. Yeah, um, but 
Yeah, it's Dark Star was also technically a student film. Um, yeah, which he somehow got funded and he made, but uh, into a feature length, and I think he got distributed. Uh, yeah, but yeah, my, my my history is actually not that long either. It's um, I, I again, I, I watched it when I was younger, and then the remake came <laughs> out. I actually didn't realize that this movie existed until the remake came out, and I had mm. then you know someone informed me like, oh, this is a remake of a John Carpenter movie, and I didn't know who John Carpenter was at the time. And then they listed off all of his credits, and I was like, "Big Trouble in Little What? Big the Who what? in Little Where? <laughs> who the f- Christine's a car? Wait, what?" Um, <laughs> so I didn't watch this movie from beginning to end until a, quite a bit later, after I had started going through and kind of examining all of his movies under a microscope. Um, after I had finished school and stuff like that, and. Um, yeah, it's not really at the top of my list in, in terms of John Carpenter movies, um, but I don't dislike it. It has more in common with a zombie movie than it does with uh, any of his other movies, I guess I would say. For very important reasons, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, my brief history is I, I saw it a couple of times after finding out who John Carpenter was, and I didn't spend as much time dissecting this one as I have with many of his other movies. Um, but watching it this week, there is, I think there's, there's enough, there's a lot to say about it, but we'll get into that when we start talking about the body. Absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. that's great. I, I remember hearing about this movie. I remember the sequel came out in like 2000 or the sequel, the remake came out in like 2007. It's a Ethan Hawke movie right or no mm-hmm. it, it's got i, I never yeah, saw it. In lawrence fishburne in lawrence fishburne is it uh do you know if it's like a kind of a shot for shot remake or is it like they took the idea of a th- siege thriller and just when it came out i was very anti remake and like after what they did with like the pseudo prequel to the thing and all that kind of stuff like in that era i was had like a big um adverse opinion about remakes that like um it, it, a remake only makes sense if the original was bad right uh, that like you, you need to take a second walk at this because you made mistakes the first time kind of thing that that makes more sense to me so i didn't really see a point in redoing that is just like you're okay you're doing it again with more expensive cameras uh, I, and i just i'm but to be honest I've I do appreciate Lawrence Fishburne. I do appreciate Ethan Hawke. And after watching this again, my curiosity is peaked. So I Me may too. check it out eventually. Um, I was thinking the same thing. But I, uh, I don't know if it's like a shot for shot or what. Yeah, I watched it today again, just briefly while while I was doing some stuff, and I kept thinking like <laughs> accidentally in my head, being like they could probably make a pretty good remake out of this. And then I was like, oh, wait, they did. And I haven't seen it. <laughs> I haven't seen it. It, uh, it exists, Stephen. Stop. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, my curiosity has also been piqued by just the fact that, like, the movie does seem like it kind of suffers from low-budget syndrome where there could be a lot more going on and you could get a little bit more. But the things that I don't mm-hmm. want from a remake of this is, like, I don't want to know more about the gang that's coming in. I like the fact that they're sort of this weird cult that is like voiceless and and scary because you don't know anything about them. The more you learn about them, the more they become human and you know, the less frightening the scenario is, right? Right. The only thing yeah. you know about them is that they're out for revenge of some kind. Some kind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's cool. And uh anyway, we'll yeah. talk again, we'll talk about I this just, more as we go. I mean my literally my history is just as brief. 
uh, as Tim's. I watched it yesterday, um, and I in my head the whole time I. F- had this and dark star mixed up i thought this was the one that you said was essentially a student film um and i was going no this is a what this is a movie <laughs> this is a, this is a real movie <laughs> they just don't show the climax they don't show the explosion that they build a whole fucking 10 minute scene towards uh but yeah. we'll get to all of that and more when we talk it about was a it. very low budget movie um yeah it has the same budget as halloween i, I believe a hundred thousand dollars which is yeah. nothing oh, okay. yeah it was just 100k for it and I did some digging today, and I could not find the box office for this movie. Well, um, let's. I'm gonna play the director Sting, and we'll oh. talk a little bit about that stuff. Okay. All right, all right. Quiet on set. Are we rolling? Okay, let's shoot this piece of shit. Sound, speed, action. Tim, you're the only guest that laughs at that every time you hear it. Everyone else is just like, what is this? <laughs> the fact that it's censored makes me laugh. That's so funny to me. Um, of course, we are talking A well-timed about... beep is really hard to pull off. Uh, for you. the longest yeah. time, I said South Park is better with the beeping because it mm. just it's so much more shocking. Um, we are, of course, talking about John Carpenter. We have uh, our outro, which is a love letter to John Carpenter, which explains a lot. We've talked about him. We talked to him about length during The Fog. We even went into him a little bit uh, as far as the movie. Christine uh, goes last week. Is there anything you want to add to the conversation about John Carpenter, Tim? And uh, do you guys have information on, uh, I believe you were about to look into the box office. Um, mm-hmm. Anything? Any notes well, the- about his direction for this or any notes about uh, production for this film? I, I think uh, one thing that I've always appreciated about um, his filming that was actually encapsulated in a quote that he has about this movie for his filmmaking philosophy for low budget. But I think this kind of bleeds into his big budget, uh, quote unquote, big budget stuff as well, where uh, he said uh, for his philosophy for low budget was as little footage as possible and extended scenes. Hmm. And um and you like you think about stuff like they live and uh, Big Trouble Little China. Anything that's establishing, anything that is showing the atmosphere, you're given just enough information to get, you know, where you are, when you are, and what is happening, as far as who's going where, and and more importantly, is what's going on in the scenes. And you're being informed more so by the the dialogue and interactions and actions of people. And uh, there's something I do appreciate about that, where uh, it, 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 there's something, you know, the, the bolts are all tightened with that, in that kind of mechanics for filmmaking, in my opinion, mm-hmm. where you, you can see that function at play. And I think it's very visible in this movie. There's, there's definitely, like, a certain cinematic language that uh, John Carpenter still had to develop for himself, but that could also be part of, constraints of the of filming this that like you know it's his first one of his first real commercial movies and uh doing it for just a hundred thousand dollars and pra- uh, practical filming all done in 20 days like something like that you don't really hear about these days unless it's done on a on somebody's camera phone and something i noticed <laughs> so, something i noticed about that too uh there's a shot at the very beginning of the movie we'll talk about the actual shot itself but mm-hmm. when we get into the body but the thing that i like about it is you don't see a uh, a shaky cam very much back in this era 
uh, yeah. over the shoulder. Yeah, like, yeah, the handheld at the beginning, yeah. That was really cool. Um, and that was, a, you know, it's just a testament to his ability to break the mold. And he, he's been doing it since the beginning. I, I know Dark Star is lauded as sort of a student film that got, you know, put in some theaters or whatever. But I'm really excited to watch that next year um, or sooner than you that. You can watch it before <laughs> that. You watch know. it whenever I you want. You don't have to wait. <laughs> I can't watch the Grimoire episodes. I can't watch any movies we're going to do later until yeah. the week of. No. Um, but yeah, that that's yeah, that's uh, that's some good stuff. Um, so a, a little bit about what his vision was for this movie, I guess, is that he he wanted to make it sort of a a classic Hollywood style Western um yeah similar to like the alamo or i think even yeah what was it It was called the and the anderson, anderson alamo. alamo yeah the, the anderson alamo was the original uh title of the script um and so he was he he envisioned it being sort of like like an el dorado or or uh yeah, the, you know, the one Rio of the one of those, yeah like, yeah exactly one of those movies where a bunch of cowboys are, are stuck in a saloon and they have to shoot their way out of the town to get through or, a posse or something. pardon me rio bravo rio bravo yeah yeah um, and you know, I, I think it's, he basically pulled that off. It, it does feel like yeah. that kind of movie, um, without sort of the, the bells and whistles of, of a, you know, golden era Hollywood screen where they, they spend like a billion dollars on sets and, you know, like make like an entire backlot village or whatever. It's just shot mm-hmm. in a really, really shitty building. It's the ugliest police station I've ever seen. Um, it it looked like a sitcom set at a, at a couple of times, <laughs> or like what a sitcom set tries to emulate. Like if you look at old Taxi episodes, like yeah, it looks something like that. I thought wow. about Taxi as well because of his uh, the music when the not like main theme, but when like the the, the woman gets killed and it it was playing kind of like a Taxi kind of a hmm. sitcom yeah. kind of a music. There's a few. It's <laughs> it's like that electric organ sort of like. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like Carpenter, but not. <laughs> You're like it's like a yeah. softer, nicer Carpenter, not an aggressive, mm-hmm. uh, you know, blaring, blinking green and red lights. Carpenter. Joan Carpenter. But uh, I think that he also wanted the movie to be called uh, the the Anderson Alamo, but it, in like the distributor fucked it up, and they're like, we're calling it District Thirteen because <laughs> of the. The Which is a bit of a not mis- even misnomer. No, it's the yeah. <laughs> it's called district. It's district nine. It's it's precinct yeah, nine. Yeah, it's division thirteen of district nine. It's also right, yeah. it also says division fourteen on the building. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so much going on here. It's just like yeah, no one cares. So it's literally they wanted to make a, a spooky title. <laughs> yeah, they're like, what's the scariest number? Seven? On no, 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 six, yeah. six, six yeah. from hell, the devil, Satan. Assault on precinct six, six, six. <laughs> No, that they they made that movie. It's called The Prince of Darkness. Yeah, this movie reminds me of The Prince of Darkness a lot, and it course. has a lot of the same sort of beats. And the end is more or less the same, where a, a building is being assaulted by a bunch of monster Oops. people. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it's up to an axe wielding priest and a diverse cast of, of individuals. So I think that's I think that's enough for the director this week. Uh, we got to of course pace ourselves. We'll we'll do a big blowout next week and cover some other stuff, but. I think that was good. So what do you say we get right into the shit? Oh, my God. Let's get right into the shit. That sounds like a lot to deal with. The body of the episode. I played that again for you because last week you're like, I don't even remember making that. (laughs) Because we always play the sexy one. 
<laughs> I like the disco one. The one where the body of the episode is like slowly do, and seductively do, do, do. walking in a room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is look at that body on that episode. Yeah. <laughs> look at that. So this is uh, Assault on Precinct Thirteen. This is a, a film about a essentially a police officer who gets stationed at this precinct that's about to be basically dismantled. Um, and everybody sees it as that. The people working there are like, fuck this place, we're out. But what what ends up happening is uh, a man and his daughter are out getting ice cream, and there's the this roving gang of hooligans who's just assaulting people, just killing for no reason other than... Yeah, it's the real sport. assault on Precinct 13. Um, <laughs> and I gets, actually really she, she like gets, the... F- I was just going to finish the quick synopsis. She gets shot, he makes it out alive, and they start uh, uh, stalking him. He makes it into this precinct, and then they start attacking the place relentlessly for an hour. So that's pretty much the movie. Um, yep. See you next week. <laughs> yeah, an alternative. I think an alternative title that John Carpenter had for this movie was The Siege, which you know yes. also makes sense. But this is also kind of a genre of movie now. You know, you can there's like a subcategory within action that is the Siege film, and all those cowboy westerns. The, this movie, the the Raid, Dread, Dread, yeah, yeah. Uh, TV shows have use this model over and over and over again for sure it's good though and i kind of like it Mm -hmm. like i i like like locking people up in one location all the the dawn of the dead movies the night of the living dead movies it's all the same thing where people are they're you're band together with an unlikely cast of characters people who don't know each other how would how are they going to react who do you trust and uh and how do you get out of it this together. film specifically because it's through the eyes of John Carpenter. Almost he was almost chan- he definitely genre bends in this. I, I believe this kind of movie outside of the western doing it hadn't really been done yet. And yeah. what I love is real. I was reading stuff about it later and realizing that yeah, it was one of those like you know cowboys in a saloon. They got to shoot their way out because they're they're surrounded. Um, but what I really love about it is it's almost like a zombie movie. It's it feels a lot like uh, like you mm. said, Steve, like uh, the one where in the, they're in the mall. I think that's uh, Dawn of the Dead. Dawn yeah. of the Dead. Well, and Night of the it, Living it, Dead, which is the I guess it, original, is the same deal where they're locked in a house, right? And it's Dawn of the Dead. I, they just kind of up the ante. Sorry, yeah. go ahead, Tim. I was going to say, quite literally, this is taking notes from both Rio Bravo and Night of the Living Dead, where. But in exploitation form, where uh, Carpenter and uh, uh, Kaufman and uh, what's the other producer name? It's CKK was their production company for this movie, and um, and so the three of them wanted to make an exploitation movie, and John Carpenter had put together this script for a it's uh, Western inspired um, thing, but approaching the same concept as Night of the Living Dead, but in exploitation form. Mm-hmm. And um, and and so the, the the agreement was okay. We'll stick with this, but the uh, and and you get full control. Uh, but the compromise is you have to keep it uh, at a hundred uh, under a hundred thousand uh, for the uh, budget. And then and then they went away from there. And, and it's like, uh, okay, so we'll film it all at nighttime. <laughs> yeah, in, in in very select locations and and not get like, enough very efficiently power done. to light parking lots. <laughs> we'll use the natural light from the parking lot. That's yeah, that's one thing that it, about the look of this movie is that it's it's not 
spectacularly lit all the time, hmm. but it still works. And, and it, it does have that gritty feel that like you're like in the beginning, uh, when you're talking about that, um, in the beginning, uh, the beginning, the, the, beginning, the, 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 uh, the, the, first, uh, the like, handheld attempt? camera, uh, shot behind the game members, uh, before they get shot by the police overhead. Um, yeah. the lighting for that is actually like really, really good, but it, it's you can tell it's there, also yeah. natural. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just to, I'm going to still do the plot. I'm going to, I'm going to be a little bit more paraphrasy with it because there isn't a whole lot, but in this sequence, I don't know. I couldn't figure out what this was meant to represent. And could this be the revenge in the first place that they were these people? Trying I think to they were part of the, the people that were stealing the crates of weaponry. So the whole the whole conceit of the movie is that this gang of people who yeah. they're called they're the Cholos, I the believe Cholos, is what they're called. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, and Thunder something as well. Thunderstruck. Yeah. They the just play the they're blasting ACDC when they assault the precinct. But they couldn't afford to get that song. So yeah. we just got dun 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 We just got John Carpenter pressing one key on a synthesizer every time we see them. Um, I did really like that every time you see the gang before the assault happens, it's just one singular note, just piercing your ears the entire time, like making you feel uncomfortable. Um, yeah, I think that's a great way to build tension. Yeah, the beginning was really good. Um, I actually really enjoyed all these different plot threads and how you know it's been so long since I've seen it that I kind of had forgotten how they all link together. I knew that there was one big moment that that links them all together, but I couldn't remember how the rest work out. And it's, you know, it's it's not necessarily like, oh, it all wraps up in a nice, neat little package. It's just kind of like, oh, it makes sense, like that these people are in this area that is overrun by these people who are bad and they all have guns and they are looking to reap chaos on their neighborhood. Uh, yeah. It's why the precinct is moving. Even I think like they're like this neighborhood is so fucked because all the we buildings, can't even have a police station. All the buildings were condemned. It's like yeah, it's become this hotbed for this this gang who of just murderers. We get that scene yeah. like right after this too, where they're just sitting. The four main guys are sitting around just like cutting their arm and bleeding into like a bowl, which isn't it's, really explained yeah. until later. They just throw blood down where they mark places. I, I think. Guess. It's it's I think like it's blood oath. Yeah, it's like some sort of weird cultish behavior, right? I, I think that it's more so meant to just kind of show us that these aren't regular people. That it's not a regular gang who's like, we need to get money and power, and then we'll get the women or whatever. It's like, <laughs> no, let's all bleed into the blood bowl, boys. Come on, slit your arms open. Yeah, like, it's like no, no crazy. No dialogue. Crazy yeah, they're not talking. They just say cholo the, back the, and forth to each other. Cholo, cholo, cholo. And they. <laughs> The parts with them running through the parking lot made me think of like a uh, Civil War reenactment or LARPers or something <laughs> kind of funny for a moment. But uh, there is like this, much like Night of Living Dead, there's a nearing supernatural element to them where they're unearthly and they're uh, very inhumane. Yeah. Uh, and, and just brutal. And yeah, and so the, 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 the police raid on those guys at the beginning sets off the four warlords to do their just. Uh, uh, yeah, roaming I, revenge streak I think and it's, just roaming the streets to kill people I almost and then was when like, the white guys... warlord gets killed that's when it sets him off <laughs> they're like oh fuck I almost thought that like there was going to be some sort of like 
are they going to be the four horsemen of the apocalypse that yeah. set off this like that's pretty, wave that's of crime throughout all of, and uh and then i was like oh man this seems like it could it could exist in the world of snake plissken well and, it's like, funny this is the beginning that, before america just can loses i hate its shit can i hit you with something sure yeah, yeah i think i already know what it's gonna be you said it <laughs> You son of a bitch. <laughs> this is a prequel. <laughs> this is before the world fully goes to shit. And there's like prison islands like Manhattan and, and L.A. or prison islands. Um, yeah. Well, I think that John Carpenter, when he writes these things, he like he does the Stephen King thing where he's like, what if it's all connected? But like he he's not going to fully make everything set in Maine and everybody's a writer or whatever. And like, oh, yeah, the character in this is going to go to dairy and buy a ice cream cone and then, you know, leave. And then the Nazi dairy for the rest of the movie. Just, <laughs> yeah, they exactly. just stop through there. They just want to know that it all exists. Whereas is John Carpenter is like he has a, a particular sort of idea of the world and like how messed up things are. But he wants to have it be fun in a way, right? Like everything that he deals with, with is always disturbing and gross and strange and odd. Um, but it all is fun in the end. You know, when you watch a John Carpenter movie, it's, it's fun. You're never kind of like, ugh, yeah, I never want to watch it's, that. It's again. exhilarating. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, even like big trouble in little China feels like it could exist in his universe. Starman feels like it could exist all in the same universe. It seems like he, he has this connected universe without it being connected sort of thing. Cause they're also, yeah. they're also grounded. Like even, even the ridiculous nature of snake Plissken it's pretty. It's pretty grounded to to assume that L.A. will be, you know, an earthquake will happen. It'll get split. Yeah, up. I mean, it'll become Snake a wasteland. Plissken has been around the world. He definitely would know how to surf. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Escape from New York is a little bit more feasible, I guess. Especially yeah. the way that they, you know, in the 1970s, this is the way that people saw the world. Yeah. It was just Snake this... Plissken. He's a very athletic man. He would definitely know how to shoot hoops. <laughs> And win, <laughs> win a basketball game to save his friend's life yeah. or whatever. Snake Plissken, he's a man of the world. He would know how to hang glide. No problem. <laughs> with one eye. That yeah. movie is a, is a movie for kids, but with an R rating, I'm realizing. Yeah. Um, I watched Double Dragon Speaking... last night for the show I was on. And that is like <laughs> one of those situations like Escape from L.A. and the opposite of a movie like this. Where in this movie, we don't even see that big explosion at the end. And in Double Dragon, they drive a boat into a sign in the water. And the water's lighting on fire. The wa- I don't know why. It's the same kind of like place as Escape from L.A., like the Los Angeles and that future. I'm, I talk Well, about we all know that Double I... Dragon takes place in the Escape from L.A. <laughs> exactly. Universe. It's a prequel. Yeah. Yeah. But it but also they... takes place in the Big Trouble in Little China universe because there's magic in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they run into this sign and it does... Like, it's meant to be that the boat's exploding, but not only does it look like the sign is exploding, the explosion is so big that it's like they blew the budget on that. I We we mm-hmm. looked up the facts and it was like they spent a huge portion of the budget on that explosion. <laughs> and then when you look at a movie like this, they spent all the money on like the location. <laughs> the, yeah, we actually a fair amount of the budget ended up going towards the sound design and post-production. I can see that because it's well edited. It's a well put together mm-hmm. film. The music is great. I listened. I watched most yeah. of it on headphones. So they was... perfected the silencer sound effect in this movie. I assume all movies before this used some kind of shitty version of it. The James oh, Bond movies. Oh, yeah, I was just gonna say, in James Bond, it just sounds like someone closing a, a dictionary fast. <laughs> but um, uh, no, it's interesting that you're kind of bringing up all these other uh, movies. You know, not 
bordering or into dystopian uh, scenery. We're like, yeah, you can kind of see, uh, uh, and they live uh, like, yeah, the, the, things have gotten so out of hand that this was an opportune time for the aliens to come in and take over yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so you, you can kind of see alien, that there's and then a the level alien, of continuity with all this. Yeah, the satellite gets blown up, all the aliens are revealed, and then that's when like the world really goes into an apocalyptic state, and then. Uh, <laughs> That's when Escape from New York starts. But this one is weird because <laughs> yeah. there's like no extras in this movie. They just, oh, also, and then Jack Burton is, is is you know, he's driving around in the desert in his truck and mm. he drives north, so far north that it, it becomes Christmas time. And then he accidentally <laughs> runs over Tim Allen, who is Santa Claus, and then he becomes the, the Santa Claus. The Santa in those, Claus yeah, and then he becomes that. the Santa Claus in those new Santa Claus movies. Jesus, and that's then, my theory. But how does that tie back into the Santa Claus TV show where Tim Allen comes back in the picture for that? Oh, that's that's not canon. Okay, that's not canon. The TV show is not canon. <laughs> or he hasn't been run over yet. It's, it's going to happen sooner or later. That's, that's why later. everyone's watching. They just want to watch Tim Allen get run over. Yeah. Truck, I know I do. Jack Sorry, Burton's Tim. like, ah, hell, I ran over Santa Claus. <laughs> So the elf comes up here, man. You got to put his coat on. Why do I got to put his coat? Jack Burton doesn't put on Santa Claus's clothes. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're introduced to Bishop uh, at this point in the movie. He gets called to Precinct Nine, like we were talking about. He doesn't want to. Uh, he doesn't want to go because essentially he wants to be a hero cop. Um, mm -hmm. This this isn't a very. It's a little bit copaganda, but I didn't get that vibe. I kind of got the vibe that like the police in this universe aren't. There's one cop that's like over the top, it's bad, but his his partner, incompetent I should say, but his partner, you know, he he was a good egg and Bishop is like good to a fault. Um, we get the time codes for the points of the movie throughout this, which I kind of liked. It, it wasn't it wasn't wasted effort because you just get you get to know that all of this shit happens in about four hours, four to five hours, mm -hmm. which was a really neat little thing. I, I hate it when you watch a movie and you're getting the days and the time codes and the time. Like Christine had a couple that was just like, okay, thank you for telling me that it's <laughs> one month later. <laughs> oh, I didn't God. need that. Uh, um, and then we we also meet up. Uh, we go over to the uh, the bus of inmates who are being taken from the prison to another prison. Um, we'll get to why they're important in a minute. But essentially, we're introduced to Napoleon Wilson. Napoleon Wilson is one of my favorite characters in a movie, and it's all because of his. He's like the coolest guy ever, but he just like doesn't give a shit, and he just wants a cigarette. Got to smoke. That I don't know yeah. why that was so effective for me, but I thought that was a great little thing. It's a fun character trope. I for think that was a West, a cowboy western movie reference. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what though. Uh, but anyway, yeah, but like yeah, that the whole cigarette thing being I referenced mean, over and yeah. over again is a reference to is to it, it's a calling back. It's it's the smarter way to do references rather than driving to the Romero house. Yeah, or hey, uh, do you remember in the movie uh, Fistful of Dollars when he said this? Yeah. yeah, but but to have just a, a little a little tidbit thrown in, I think that's what that that was all about. Was just the precinct located the on four on six 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 Savini Street. Well, I yeah, will say yeah, where they hit you over the head with the bat. Nancy's yeah. last name is Loomis, so mm -hmm. yeah, um, I noticed yes, that in the indeed. credits. Uh, basically, we it's heavily implied that Napoleon Wilson is like an especially bad criminal. The way they're treating him. 
he I think I got the impression that he was like a criminal mastermind, not necessarily a killer or murderer probably has done that but based on the way they treat him at the end of the movie he doesn't just get thrown immediately back in prison we don't see him get thrown back in prison and uh i want a buddy cop movie called bishop and napoleon (laughs) right (laughs) where he's enlisted to become a cop and him and you know bishop and napoleon have to go and yeah it's like assault on penitentiary 13 and they like the whole jail is like against the people he gets you know he he's like i can't he gets like demoted or like he quits being the lieutenant of the the precinct and then he's like i'm just gonna go be a prison guard or some shit and then he goes to be a prison guard for a for a a precinct or sorry for a penitentiary and it turns out he's he's in there and then he's like oh it's you what the fuck and he's like yeah what the fuck yeah what the fuck we're here now (laughs) Listen, I heard that they're going to be trying to, and, and then one of the, the one of those the gang guys, one of the the four warlords, he didn't die, and he's in the jail too, and he's like infecting the prison like a like a, a virus, <laughs> giving his jar of blood to everybody. There you go, John Carpenter, come back, make it, make, make it, it, make it happen. Assault man. on Precinct Fourteen, Electric Boogaloo. Um, we do. Speaking of uh, infections, we're introduced to that character that turned out to be a total misdirector. I didn't really understand what the point was aside from having them stop and there's a guy who like i think he is like i think he has uh he i think he's dying (laughs) i think he's dying of something he's got Mm -hmm. like whooping cough and he's all sweaty he's got covid19 he's patient zero for covid19 and uh essentially (laughs) they're like this guy he's got a cold it's fine it's just got a cold and they're like this dude is dying he's dead yeah um and that's it. I I only thought there was a misdirect in that as soon as they COVID used that. COVID thirteen. COVID third. COVID seventy six. Took me a minute. I was like, "What's a better joke?" <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, stop the show for a second. Yeah. Okay. COVID thirteen. Um, but they only used them really to get them to stop. I thought it was going to be more of a thing, and I I for a minute I was like, "Is there a, like a supernatural like virus element to this movie?" I didn't know what this was going in. So well, I mean that is kind mm-hmm. of again that's a trope of a of a zombie movie, right? Is that one of the people is infected and they bring it inside, they give it shelter, and then it turns on them with from within, and yeah, it it was interesting. But you know, zombie movies weren't as you know. There, there wasn't a, a a giant garden of zombie movies that you could go and pick from at this point. There was there was a, a smaller world of zombie films. There was still yeah. a, a decent amount. They were huge um, in the seventies. They, they were they were they were big in the seventies. They were the late sixties was when they sort of kind of really started to hit off, and yeah. uh, not just Western movies either. Like like the uh, Italian uh, film market was like exploding with zombie movies as well. So it was it was kind of oh, like yeah. a, a worldwide phenomenon where it's like everybody was obsessed with zombie. everybody had zombie fever yeah uh, and then it, it went to sleep in the 80s in the 90s even and then in the late and 90s it started to come back in the 2000s, and, yeah. Yeah. yeah well it's it's funny you say like italian uh and european movies have like a home had a home for uh exploitation and zombie and all this other stuff and even westerns uh, after it kind of died out in the u.s because it when this movie first released in the u.s it had a terrible time in the theaters. Right. A lot of it had to do with the um, the uh, trying to get a solid rating for it, because uh, okay, uh, it, you know the MPAA wanted to give it an X rating at first, 
Yeah, so mostly it's just because re- of one scene in particular. There's because no, they shoot a child. Yeah, there's no MPAA rating segment this week because I couldn't find it. Like, actually, couldn't mm-hmm. find it. And uh, Tim, I think what you're saying is the insight that you you mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that like so. Uh, uh, the person that was responsible at the time for giving out the ratings for movies wanted to give this movie an X rating. Um, and there's a, a scene where that, uh, where the father and daughter are going to get ice cream and the roaming gang comes up and, and, and ta- targets the ice cream truck guy. Uh, and then while they're shooting him, they also shoot the, um, the little girl and it's for 1976. Very, very graphic. I was like, she's not very dead. upfront. It grazed her shoulder. <laughs> but it, it they, shot they, they did through the, the ice cream movie cone. trope of <laughs> putting. Her chest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, if, if it was like on uh, a Columbo, she would have been alive at the end. But That's no, this saying. ain't Columbo. Yeah. No, she's she's dead as dirt in this. And um, so that that scene in particular where she where she visibly gets shot. Uh, the the MPAA person wanted them to cut it out of the movie, otherwise they would give it an X rating, which meant it wouldn't get any kind of release whatsoever. So the film that they submitted for Freak their the review, Max, buddy, <laughs> <laughs> the the version that they submitted for the review uh, withheld on that scene, and then they said, okay, good, we'll give you the R rating, and then the distributed copy of the movie kept that scene in. Okay, so they managed to sneak in this girl getting shot. So when people started watching the theater and then realized, oh, there's, there's a child getting shot in this movie, uh, it got backlashed in the U.S. But then in 1977, a year later, it uh, managed to make it to like Cannes and other film festivals in, in Europe. And then people saw that it was this movie taking some bold choices and bold, bold decisions. And, uh, and it took off from there. And that's when it started to kind of gain some ground. Because okay. uh, initially it, it wasn't a success, so it, it took a long time, all things considered, for this thing to get some traction. So this is like a yeah. I think one of the reasons it's home. a little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons it's hard to to track down the uh, amount of money that it made is because it it made money in weird ways where people were like not really tracking it. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's kind of hard to find um, the box office for this. Yeah. Uh, we don't even really have a domestic box office for it. So I will say, in addition to yeah. there being no MPAA this week, there's no real real title drop because they do say Precinct 9 at one point, but that's not even the right precinct. <laughs> that's not even the name of the movie. It's Yeah, it's yeah. like Precinct 9 in District 13 and <laughs> Division the building 14. has a 14 on yeah. it. And it's like... <laughs> This is how this is how unorganized the Los Angeles police departments are. Is that they they don't even know the names or numbers of anything that they're dealing with. But the studio is like, it's got to be spooky. Thirteen. Yeah, even when we we get our first introduction to uh, Ethan Bishop, uh, mm. you know he's he's going out on his first day as a lieutenant, I guess, or it's a, his first day in charge of a new precinct. Uh, and he wants to be a hero, and the yeah. uh, the guy on the other line, his captain, I suppose, who he's talking to is like I think the captain just got on to talk to him to like kind of be like, hey, good luck, you know, out there and have a good time and try to be safe. You know, it's more like it was it was almost like a congratulations on your new position kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but then he, he gives him like a weird little powwow. He says <laughs> he I wrote it down. He says there are no heroes anymore, just people that follow orders. Yeah, which is like, ooh. And we've already seen that the police in this movie are kind of shit at the very, in the very first scene, 
freeze it's the police put your hands up and your weapons down or we'll shoot and then like they shoot immediately <laughs> there's like <laughs> yeah. no room to breathe before they start firing on them and you're like it's, okay, yeah it's almost accurate. like a wartime situation yeah. it, when he says to him i just need you to fall orders you know mm-hmm. it, it's it's like something you'd hear in a world war ii movie yeah but then like you know the internet is is polluted now with with so much evidence of of police officers believing that kind of shit and like just the interactions that you see in everyday life on youtube tiktok reddit all of it you get all these you know people filming the police and they they act like they're super soldiers from a science fiction movie where you're just like what is this guy's deal like he's yeah. acting like he's in the most like battle war torn country and he's dealing with people that you know he is convinced are hiding ieds or whatever <laughs> you're like hey, yeah this is fucked yeah, there's, up. there's no de-escalating uh behavior yeah uh yeah and uh and, and meanwhile you're you're kind of treated to um the jaded cops versus people who live and breathe in the world and um, and well, so, yeah, even... as as that uh, lieutenant uh, arrives to his assignment at the at the precinct, and he's being introduced to everybody, and getting these little moments of talking to all these people, and and um, with the one secretary in particular, they they have a good one on one where you, you learn a lot about them. That uh, one, she's been around the block; she knows uh, she she's kind of seen the harder side of things, mm-hmm. and um, and then he made an explanation of. Of like early on in his life, he was taught some strong morality and and by his father by uh, and 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 at the same time he was shown that police can be uh, positive figures of of authority. But yeah, uh, and, and the contrast there is that like at every other avenue that we're presented, except for him, yeah, we are in a cab world, right? Where we're just like, no, the, all police are shit. Like even the dad driving the car and little girls like let's ask them for help he's like no he's like (laughs) she's like my teacher told me that my teacher told me that uh you know all police officers are always there to help you and he's like sounds like your teacher's teaching sixth graders you (laughs) stupid idiot (laughs) she's like what he's like nothing let's go get some ice cream i like her voice is also big birds yeah Um, we get a great um, moment. That's as high as I can go. <laughs> we get a great moment uh, around this area of the movie where they're loading, like Napoleon is so good, and they're loading the the inmates into the truck. And basically, he's like, "Look, you're taking me in a truck where I got to sit for hours, okay? Then you're gonna put me in a prison where I got to sit for the rest of my life, potentially thirty years or more. Can this you is just ninety years? Ninety years or more? Can you let me just do a little stretch? So he does a little. He does this." And He's then, doing some yogi. And then the, the warden is like, it says something to him. I forget what he says. But he goes, he says, I'm going to miss you. Yeah. Oh, right. Even a, and then he says, even a little white lie can trip a man up. And he's like, huh? And he takes the chain and, and lassoes him, basically, and trips him. Which, he does a cowboy movie. He does a cowboy movie. He's a cowboy movie, movie yeah. guys. He's a cowboy. Yeah. And, he's a cowboy movie character but, stuck in but this But we, we also miss, like, because when they're taking him out of the out of his cell that guy the warden punches him in the back of the head and knocks him out and he's like i just don't sit in chairs the way i used to and i'm like that's such a weird thing to say but it's also kind of funny and then when he last sees him he's like he just doesn't stand the way he right. used to yeah <laughs> it's just like yeah he it's says a john the same carpenter line, thing like, what a weird line it's a yeah. john carpenter thing too as we've talked about a lot to have weird just weird dialogue that only from the yeah. mind of john carpenter could this sort of dialogue be so bizarre but work <laughs> 
you know like it, you know when they it's, ask it, me because it's in that context of yeah. that situation where like when they ask me jack have you paid your dues i tell them uh, the checks in the mic <laughs> just like john carpenter like drunk like writing shit down like yeah this is sick this is dope people are gonna yeah. eat this up in 40 years <laughs> It would be great to hear John Carpenter say, this is dope. Yeah. <laughs> he only says that when he's like, when someone's like, what is that? And he's pointing at a giant bag of weed. <laughs> he still oh, buys God. from a dealer. He doesn't go to the dispensary. Hey, my dad would prefer uh, to buy from a, from a, a, a weed man. Yeah. It's about the same age. Mm-hmm. Uh, Actually, no, he's not. Cause John Carpenter just turned 78 years old. So. Uh, wow. I got a prescription now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. He doesn't even want that Hollywood. I got old bones. He doesn't even want that Hollywood, you know, doctor weed. He just wants to go no, to a needs guy. To, he in, needs the medicinal weed for his knuckles. In the neighborhood of Precinct 13, he wants to He go still there. composes music. He needs to keep those, those the key ticklers nimble for his synth music. I've, I've seen him play live. It's it's a wild scene to oh, see him and his band with his, I think his son. That was cool. That was a really cool concert, actually. I would love. That's like. A concert I would go to. Is Absolutely, that. we missed yeah. like we missed out on that because I feel like ten years ago he was touring like pretty frequently. Yeah, yeah. That was that was exactly when. Yeah. He released a bunch of albums called like the Lost Carpenter tracks, and he just he like recomposed music for all of his movies and stuff. It's it's pretty. Cool. I have a song in my playlist and yeah. on Spotify where it's just like a John Carpenter song for a minute, and then he says something along the lines of, "And that at that night was the mouth of darkness, diggy 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 diggy, or something of like darkness. that." Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'll send it to you. It's fucking great. Yeah. It's like the the Vincent Price and the Michael exactly. Jackson. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so we go over to the, the people we were just talking about, the, the, the man and the girl, they're driving. That dude looks familiar as shit. I didn't look him up. I didn't have a lot of time to do any real research, but he looks like I've seen a face I've seen, but he might just look like somebody else. He kind of looks like, uh, maybe, maybe Viggo Mortensen when he's not Aragorn, like in other movies where he's got like the blonde hair. Um, yeah. maybe a little bit. And... Uh, he did a lot of TV, but uh, okay. he's not in anything that I'm still a little too young for because he's fairly old in this movie, right? Yeah, so it's like that was I part wouldn't... of it too. I was trying yeah. to look at him, like look at him, like is it just a guy I recognize who plays bit parts as a much older man in things now? I don't know. It's one of those yeah. like he just looks, he just has one of those faces. Uh, he was in Days of Our Lives in 1989. <laughs> <laughs> um. We talked about the fact he didn't want the police help. Uh, I thought this guy seems a little shady, but after we talked about it, you're right. This universe has a kind of an anti-police sentiment, and well, especially in a neighborhood like that they're in, right? So he they're they're trying to get his, I think his mother or like his his wife's mother or something. We can't we don't really know who it's his, the girl's nana is all we really know about it. Uh, is that he's he's yeah. trying to convince her to move out of the neighborhood because it's crime right. ridden yes. and there's a, a gang who bleeds into blood, blood bowls every morning <laughs> as a ritual of some kind every morning. <laughs> so we don't we don't know but we all we do know that it's a bad neighborhood so yeah but also maybe he's also had some some bad experiences with police officers i know personally <clears throat> i am not comfortable around police officers even when i know that i've done absolutely nothing wrong i don't like talking to them especially if they approach me there was one time where I approached them and it was when I was being chased by someone who wanted to hurt me. So I ran into the road and I saw a police car and I jumped on the front of the car. They got out. And I was like, they're chasing me. And then they helped me. And Didn't it was you good. have yeah. a thing where you like, 
called a wellness check on a friend and then they came to your house and started questioning yes. you also which was yes. like very gestapo i was like i called but yes i don't want to yeah we don't have just, to get into yeah. it obviously but yeah yeah, yeah. i have well, had a lot of bad experiences with police officers as more so than the good ones. Like I've had maybe two really good ones and then the rest have always been shitty or bad. And speaking of, speaking of the police, sorry, go ahead, Tim, my bad. Oh, no, I was going to say that Napoleon actually function. One of his functions in the movie is where he seems to divide people's opinions where the, uh, the guy running the, uh, the prisoner convoy in the bus, he, um, uh, it, it, he he kind of draws out is drawn up by Napoleon to approach and ask like what's what's your deal exactly because you're not a psycho you're not this so you know what is your deal why are you called Napoleon and all that kind of stuff and, and so I get the and it kind of also informs of Napoleon that because we see police officers that are not cool uh, hating him and other police officers that are either in the gray area or are good I that find him approachable i think that there's something about this guy that has divided people I he's done and whatever his crime was it's it's uh checkerboarded it's not quite i think uh, that completely all on his character arc and how intelligent and like like quippy he is he's, yeah he's, a, worldly, he's yeah. a guy who calls shots he's like a he's a top he's a real snake pliskin if you will. <laughs> yeah, a, yeah i think he's a top guy i think he's a criminal mastermind and he's a superhero level intelligence criminal mastermind obviously we don't get into any of that that's pure speculation and headcanon as well <laughs> i don't know if i'd go that far but I, I would i will say that he's he's not a bad guy he's a smart guy who got into a bad situation yeah. and he had to get out of it we don't we never know his history but he doesn't yeah. seem to have any kind of resentment Maybe or I'll hatred tell you one day. or villainous tendencies towards anybody. But then again, yeah. he's never in a situation where he would need to flex those types of things, right? He's always in a, a situation of um, submission. And then the situations that he does have the ability to be dominant, he doesn't. He is able to assess the situation and figure out, okay, it's in my best intention at least to side with this person and maybe ask them if they have a cigarette. And if they do, they yeah. might give me a cigarette. <laughs> Most people won't. Cause there it's was always a, on the dialogue tree. Everybody didn't, yeah. even though everybody in the universe smoked in 1976, nobody smoked. Except nobody in this movie, except yeah. for the, the uh, what was her position at the police station? Was she a police officer or is she was just, they said, they said I, police officer later in the movie. I thought that she was like a, like an office administrator, but then they said that the, op, the person on the operating board was the secretary. I think she was so just a cop who was, was a, in just like her regular streets. clothes. Yeah. 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 As they were shutting things down as they, yeah. it, it's funny. We were talking about how the, the criminals are just like, Oh, to control bad. We just get a shot of them just like getting their guns ready at this point. And John Carpenter loves just showing people doing things. And we get a lot mm -hmm. of that throughout this little bit. Well, did you guys watch the post credit sequence? I don't recall seeing a yeah, post credit sequence. Oh, well, copy. One, of the, one of the gang members, he runs to a church and he goes through a secret door into the basement and there's a giant <laughs> there's tank a giant of glowing tank of green ooze and he starts drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> And it's it's this is a prequel to the Prince of Darkness, guys. Yeah. And then he turns around, he's got a Thanos chin, Rinky chin on. Yeah. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Snake Plissken just shows up. He's got the eye it's patch like, Holy already. Shit. Yeah. I'm putting together an initiative. Yeah. A carpenter initiative. <laughs> uh 
so we get the uh, the scene with the cop on the scene, but what scene is that? Oh, yeah, Precinct Night. I don't know why I wrote that. Um, we meet two women, an operator, and I thought an office admin, but we determined she's a police officer. And she offers him coffee. This is a funny line. And she offers him coffee, and she says, black? And he goes, for over 30 years. Great. And I was like, yeah, that's like a real like shaft kind of line, you know, which but, I, I kind of liked because he's not yeah. a shaft character. You know, he's not like Mr. Cool. He's he's kind of nerdy almost. And I, I yeah, he's, he's like a a endearing in a, in a way. A very like, straight laced. Individual, where he, yeah. he comes into this piece of shit precinct that's shutting down. and He looks on it like this is this I'm is in charge it. of this. And he's like proud of himself. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I'm proud of him, too. Like he's that's a good accomplishment. And I, I like it. And I like yeah. that he's the implication there's almost like a star star trek academy uh thing about him where like yeah like like i'll, I'll do the right thing regardless mm-hmm. the the implication though where he says for over 30 years is this guy 31 or 32 because god damn it people looked old in the 70s he could be 40 he could be 40 but, but also mm-hmm. he's he's hit lieutenant which is like right it's a pretty big milestone for police officers because not not all police officers are able to do that and some of them do it younger and some of them do it older and he seems like he could be in his middling, middling thirties, maybe. Okay. And and he mentioned that like I, I left this neighborhood. I walked out myself uh, when I turned twenty. Okay. Yeah. So like you know, okay. So like 10, 15 years on the force or whatever of working his way through all that kind of stuff. And, and an old yeah. looking thirty-five. We do get a scene here that's pretty interesting that does talk about his like past when he does mention that he left uh, ten years ago, where he tells a story about coming into the, the precinct as a kid because um, well, we, we find out it's because he was using foul language with his, with his father. And during that time, no, his mother, or his, mother his father punished him because he was swearing at his mother or right. something like that. Yeah. And, but we do, he did end up carving something on the desk and he like feared for the rest of his childhood that he was going to get busted. I yeah. happened to look away at like, just for that, like one second, did they, sh- they showed the carving, right? Oh, they no. don't show the carving. So that's that was one of my so. Que- so sometimes they write down questions for the for the pod, and I'm like, "What do you?" Last week, I think it was, "What song would you have put during this car on fire murder scene?" This week is, <laughs> "What do you think he wrote?" Because <laughs> she says a little advanced for a ten year old or something like that. Like, what do you think he wrote? Like fellatio. Prep. Uh, he drew. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say something probably something. sexually like, charged. Yeah. He drew a picture of a dick with wings that said "fuck the police." <laughs> no he just wrote a cab <laughs> that is so advanced that it's yeah. literally from 40 it's so years advanced in the future. That it, he, he saw into the future yeah 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 uh, i'm not wrote. too sure I, I i like how much like so much else in this movie it's left to your imagination and 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 it's and it's also the point of it is that it's not incredibly important to know mm-hmm. um so much like with Napoleon, uh, that like to not know exactly what he did, uh, like to, to find that out would just be the equivalent of doing a Wikipedia lookup on him. Because yeah. what's more important is that you still understand what kind of person he is. Right. And same yeah, goes and, with everybody is that they're very well telegraphed in, in who they are and what they're doing. But it also it also gives you an understanding of who he was as well, right? Like he, he yeah, he, in certain as, contexts, yeah. As a kid, he was so sort of out of control that his father sent him to the police station to spook him. Yeah. And he, at the police station, carved something foul into somebody's desk. Like, yeah. rather than be scared shitless, he's like, while well, the guy went to the can or to get a coffee or whatever, I carved something into his desk 
But then he admits that like for months and months after that, I was scared he was going to see it and that he'd be hunting me down. Yeah. And it's, it is, it's evocative. uh, It's interesting and it's cool. And it it gives you an idea of who he is as a character Uh, and how much he's grown since then. Right. Like how he's changed. This almost like became a police officer. So during all of this, um, we just get some more shots of the criminals just rolling around town threatening to shoot people shooting people doing robberies um and the they don't rob anyone they just the guy is like he he keeps almost shooting people right he's he's aiming out the window with a silenced machine gun and you're like oh god this is vile but then i think about myself when i'm playing like gta or something and i do that all the time like just like <laughs> aim out the windows at people like <laughs> and i'm like oh am i am i one of these guys am i am i part of the gang well when you point a gun at somebody in gta if the police are around if you just point the gun at them they'll they'll react i know but i do it from in my car and i do a slow drive by and i go <laughs> and then i cut my arm open and i bleed it into a bowl and i say i'm going to use this to mark my territory you're later a, you're such a blood pervert a blood pervert that's what their gang the blood perverts the blood perverts a blurvert the blurverts yeah i would say leon that steven is a degen from upcountry um that's uh, welcome to the chat welcome to the show the little we get the so i I don't want to dial down on this too much because it happens throughout the sequence but we just it cuts back to the guys being like this guy's gonna die what are we gonna do but now we get the sequence um where the ice cream man is in his truck um in his balloon shirt which i like balloon shirt they, it's not a shirt made of balloons it's just a like a dress shirt with balloon print well he's an ice cream yeah. man <laughs> uh the old the, i sometimes forget if i don't explain people in the chat might be like he's wearing a, he's shirt, wearing a shirt made of balloons not that john Carpenter. is it one balloon or like a bunch of little balloons it's a balloon pervert yeah. the the little girl um no, this character is the best character in the movie because he's the only one who is 100% aware of what the fuck is up. Right. Because he's like, yeah. he's terrified that he has to, he's on like the one ice cream route that could mean life or death. That's <laughs> right. he's driving it, around being like, oh God. It, in scared. my mind, I, I always thought like maybe this guy's an undercover cop and he's using the ice cream truck as a cover to oh. like scope the streets. Oh, uh, I mean, so I mean, smart. And I absolutely. Did not not that that information's not peppered into the movie whatsoever so that's absolutely my uh, idea but like i thought that would have been interesting if if that's the whole reason why he's he's i mean he's probably very cautious because it's a very scary neighborhood this has clearly happened to him before based on his reaction to the the car just like driving back and forth basically yeah it's like he he recognizes the car like he he knows that that car is is like and clocking it yeah it's like like i was saying earlier like the four horseman of the apocalypse like he sees that car and he's like oh shit death the is riding. coming yeah basically yeah. what happens in this scene is that the the dad just pulls over to like call the person that they're going to see i think and while he's in when when he's inside the phone booth or at the phone booth she's like ice cream i'm gonna get some ice cream like the dad doesn't know that this neighborhood is bad or something because he's just like yeah yeah whatever go and then she goes over well he knows it's bad he says it's bad earlier that's why they're trying to get grandma out of there Right, but yeah. I, it's just crazy to me that he's just like, yeah, whatever, go get the ice cream, and then she gets she gets a bullet. She takes a bullet for her. Uh... I think that he knows it's bad, but he doesn't know it's 
shoot children on sh- on, site on site bad yeah right now yeah at the ice cream truck yeah 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 the 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 ice cream man almost doesn't die also they sort of tease him and i guess they stab him because he's bleeding on the ground and he dies and his last words are like no they shoot him they do they shoot him they do they do shoot him but they yeah. just have those silencers <laughs> Yeah, so they yeah. shoot the girl first, and then they shoot him because they beat, like, they, they put the gun in his mouth because he, they don't talk, they never talk, and it's one of the more powerful elements about them is that they don't talk, because yeah. like usually in movies like this, the the gang members will say horrible things or things to assert themselves as like alphas quotation marks around that because it doesn't exist but or the they, producers or screenwriters come up with something really really stupid for them to say or yeah, yeah like know. something that's like overly flowerly or flowerly or flowery or poetic and they uh it just like doesn't work it doesn't feel natural it feels like you're like watching some sort of like bullshit shakespeare <laughs> doesn't make any sense uh but instead he just puts the gun in his mouth and the guy is like ah Oh, yeah, oh god him. oh god and then he doesn't kill him and then he just pistol whips him and then the little girl after getting her ice cream cone realizes it's not a vanilla twist it's just a regular vanilla right, so yes. she has to go back and get she has to get swapped out for the right ice cream cone yeah this karen and then he just shoots her he doesn't even look at her he just like like blind shoots her like you're and bugging yeah. me, you die. Uh, I, you know, it it's shocking, but at the same time, like the way it's framed, it's like holy shit, and you can't help but be like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, that's I, what I, I was yeah, like, did not expect that. Yeah, it's very matter of fact. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've yeah, never you, seen you a don't you don't expect a, a blood like pack really. exploding on a kid. Yeah, I've never. I don't. I can't think. I don't of think squibs movie. were like. Like, I think they made it illegal to put squibs on kids after, like, a certain point. Like, you don't, you can't <laughs> put a, it's really an explosive device a on a child. Yeah. yeah. So, basically, um, the, the the dying man's final words are, like, they went that away. And they, no, they're, they were, there's a gun under the dashboard. There's a gun under the Get dashboard. Get my gun. Yeah. Take my gun. It's under the dashboard. Right. Yeah. Um, I wrote that <laughs> they down went wrong. That so they went that away. I improvised. points. <laughs> But he's got an ice cream cone in his hand, and he points at the ice cream. Uh, no, he, he takes off after him. Also, mm, after they yeah. have, he he like shoots off a couple rounds at them, right? So this is like, but I, the the reason I think this works so well is because we're we're seeing these four different stories happening at, uh, simultaneously, basically, and yeah. you're you think maybe they're gonna all converge, but you're not sure. And then they do. And you're like, okay, this is great. They they all have to go to this one point, precinct 13 or 9 or 14 or whatever the fuck we want to call yeah. it. Um, and it, it's, it is good. It's neat. And it's it's tidy. And it, it, it's like we always say about every John Carpenter is that he's very efficient with what he does. He doesn't really put stuff in there for fluff. Everything that happens is happening yeah. specifically to push the story forward. And this movie is like, up until they get to the precinct, is perfect with that and then it kind of gets very dawn of the dead where it's like now what do we do we're in here uh i guess they'll come through the holes that turn <laughs> everywhere and we shoot them but up until mm-hmm. i i would say this the first like 25 to 30 minutes of this movie is like extremely efficient and well made i love it yeah right yeah. down to the next scene which is like the guy's dying the the sick guy 
They pull up to precinct 13. They load the guys into the cells. The guys in the cells are like, so how long are we going to be here for? And uh, Special Agent Starker is like, shut up. You guys are a load of bad dudes. Um, (laughs) Did you notice? I thought it was so funny when they show Bishop pounding a sign into the ground with a mallet. I was like, it it was very cartoony to me for some reason. I mean, there's a couple of handwritten sign. Yeah. Yeah. Like some a wily coyote like, thing to do. Exactly. Yeah, like it, it's some real Looney Tunes stuff. Uh, there's a few moments like that in this, but uh, I think that the sign, all, even the blood squib on the the kid, is just like it's it's. I, I think it's just the framing. It's almost like it's framed like a comedy shot, and you're like, what the? Okay, <laughs> yeah, because it, it is a little flat, and yeah, it, it, which kind of lends to the whole like there's the beginnings of John Carpenter's film language, but it's not quite translated yet. His, his, his talent is still very raw in this. The look, there's, something, there's something here. There's something here. This movie definitely has the John Carpenter film look. It looks a little bit ahead of its time, cinematography-wise, for the 70s. A lot of times I, for, I was forgetting that it was a 70s movie. Because if, oh, yeah. if you watch, like, Dirty Harry or something, it looks like, it, you know, 70s. Everybody's very 70s, dressed 70s. There's a lot. It's, yeah. it's shot different. This looks like an 80s movie. Oh, you see that dad's pants when he goes up That's to his true. Dead they were daughter? Extremely flared. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in Bishop, I thought somebody was throwing the trash out next to the body. Like <laughs> two garbage bags dropped. Those were the bottoms of his pant leg. Bishop knows who Napoleon is, and this is where you get the you get that vibe. That's like this guy is has that notoriety of mm-hmm. of criminal. This is where I started to be like, oh, he's he's definitely had his hands in a lot of crime pots. And if if this crime pies, you crime pies. And if this, oh god damn it, that took that was a grenade joke. Um, gross. The thing that I love about it is that he just kind of looks at him and he's just like, oh god, I gotta deal with this guy, even though he's gonna be my future best friend. And but he also, it's there's a weirdness there that seems like he he knows who he is and he almost like respects him in a weird way because. When he asks well, him it, for a cigarette, he says, no. But then he says, sorry. He yeah, says he, sorry he, right he humanizes the situation yeah. with him. Yeah, that like, you're, you're not just another person. And while you're here, you're under my care. And I take that seriously. Yeah. And also when he is told that like, oh, that's Napoleon. He's like, really? Like, like yeah, he was kind shit. of expecting uh, something a little bit more ca- character caricaturized of, of like yeah. a cartoonish villain. But here's it's just a scar over just a guy. Eye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he wants to go take a look at him, right? Like he's like, "Let me go take another look at this guy who has weird posture." Like it's like his mm-hmm. whole That's my impression of him. <laughs> Pretty good impression. You have to be like super stiff but super chill. Hold on, hold on. Here wait. wait. We'll have anybody, screen capture. Anybody got a smoke? <laughs> Once again, no. Steve bring the fire impressions to the show. <laughs> That was a physical impression more than a vocal one. It's true. If you're listening to this on audio, go over to YouTube and uh, watch it again. It's a feast for the eyes. And comment and like and subscribe. Um, We get we cuts back to the chase happening. The the dad is chasing after the the criminals. They end up Mm -hmm. next to a um, payphone where he tries to make a call, but he doesn't he doesn't quite make it and runs into the precinct. I think is basically what happens there and this is when well, the... did we talk about how he shoots one of the gangsters already oh yes that's right at yeah 
he, he chases the, the tries to make a call and then the criminals start coming up to well, no 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 he, he grabs the gun from the ice cream truck he gets into his car and he he leaves his dead daughter and the dead yeah, ice to cream rot in the grass to and he drives after them and, and he chases them and he's chasing them for who until the sun goes down basically and then he he finally catches up to them they get out the main like the white one who yeah. is seemingly the leader, I guess. I don't know. He seems like he's the leader at that point. He's the most uh, like badass. Well, he, the camera focuses mostly yeah. on him for most of it. So you're like, yeah. this guy's in charge, but maybe it's just cause like we want to get connected to this weirdo in some way. Um, but he shoots like a rifle at this dad. Who's like, <laughs> like dodging these silenced rifle shots. He shoots him in the arm. And then the guy's like, he got me and then he shoots yeah. again dad dodges again and then unloads the entire gun into it one handed too like uh yeah no training just does it kills this guy the guy falls over he stands there for a while shocked that he's been shot this is another thing where like the supernatural element that we were talking about where it's like they seem there's something going on here like are they yeah, on they're, drugs? They're very detached have the, is the blood bowl like some sort of ritual that they're getting powers from the other side <laughs> who knows yeah or, or uh, in the other room was just a mountain of cocaine that, that we just yeah. didn't see. Or, or like, you know, like behind them, there's like all these tubes of heroin just constantly <laughs> pumping into their backs as they're cutting themselves open. Like, but yeah, yeah, or there's one of those tanks, green goo tanks in this uh, Yeah, we already just established this is a, this <laughs> takes place there, in the there's, same. There's some green goo somewhere here. Yeah, that The church <laughs> in the Prince of Darkness is in this neighborhood. Yes. It's right next to the precinct. Yeah. Uh, that's why that's why in the Prince of Darkness the police don't come help is because they're dealing with their own shit over there. <laughs> it's happening on the same night. Uh hmm. so he gets shot and yeah, he, he there's this kind of great moment where he falls over dead. And then dad run he kind of stumbles off into the darkness cuz he's he's still in shock from his daughter dying. But yeah. I don't um, think he says another word through the whole movie. He doesn't. He whispers things to people in their ears, and he's it's like he says he needs to use the can. <laughs> okay, uh, but he, he, there's this good shot where like the guy dies, and then you see like the feet come up of all the other the other three, and there's only three all sets from of the darkness. Yeah, yeah. And it's I'm telling you, man, there's something else going on in this movie. Absolutely, some sort of yeah. supernatural so element. Happens. He makes it into like he makes it to precinct nine now, and when he gets inside, basically they establish that you know this guy has something to do with with uh, what's going on in the neighborhood, and this is he. This is where he does the whisper thing, right? And uh, then the lights go out, and we basically we basically get to it. Yeah, the phone goes out first, and they think maybe the the phone company turned it off. Then the power goes off, and then they realize like, oh shit, something's happening because the lights are still on in the parking lot, but it's the building that's been cut off, and they they're starting yeah. to sort of they're not stupid, which I appreciate because like in movies like this, a lot of the time people make such idiotic decisions that don't make any sense. But in this, they're all sort of like intelligently deducing what's happening. They're like something's wrong. We have yeah. to go figure out what's up. Well, yeah. they do kind of do that thing, that stupidity thing where, like, one guy runs outside to be like, I'm going to go out there and see what's going on and gets killed. And then another guy's like, that guy's just, he fell over. Actually, that was a funny line where Bishop was like, hey, look, he fell over. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what happened. Okay, so what happens is that the power goes out. So they're like, we'll go check the breaker. So he goes out to check the breaker. He gets shot and he falls over. The mm. the circuit breaker person, the uh I can't remember what her name switchboard, was. Switchboard. Yeah. Switchboard. Janet or something. Like she's that. like, 
the phone company should be doing this. Why the fuck am I doing it? That that girl. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And she is watching through the window and she laughs. She's like, <laughs> oh, he fell over. Right. Yeah. And then Bishop's yeah. like, what? And then he looks and she's like, he fell over over there. And then he looks out and the guy's just lying there, not moving. And he's like, oh, that guy is dead. That's kind of weird. Yeah. I should go check that out. Actually, just before that part, though, the uh, the officer that's running the uh, prison bus, just before, like, he's like fed up and he was trying to reach a doctor to help out the sick guy. And, and that's when the phone line gets cut off. And, and he starts making criticisms towards um, uh, the lieutenant. And he says, uh, your, your precinct is uh, being run like chicken night in Turkey. And I love that line. <laughs> so I wrote that, that should line be the down. title of the movie. I wrote that down and I don't know what that means. Can you explain that to me, please? <laughs> I, well, I'm guessing like they're, you know, making a joke about Turkey that it sounds like the name of the animal Turkey. Oh, and you're running and you're having and chicken okay. when you right. should be having Turkey. I, I, like, I that's, that's my best <laughs> throw dart at the wall and see what happens. Guess at it. Yeah. I see. I was, I was like, is am I stupid or is that the joke? Like so it's I a, did it's a John Carpenter yeah. line. So it turns out that I did understand it. I just thought that I was too dumb to understand it. Okay. I feel better about myself now. That's incredible. Uh, but then but then people start going outside to be like, what's going on? And then they start lighting the building up and the the guy who was traveling with the inmates, he gets killed. Bishop kind of uses him as a human shield and almost gets gets got too. Um and then they it's a it's a really good action sequence um especially <laughs> considering the budget is so low and that you're not seeing where any of the fire is coming from is really good you're just yeah. seeing you know bullet holes go off squibs go off uh windows breaking and people in fear and it's it's focused on the people in fear and it's not showing like you know people running through the woods they're not wasting time with that because that it it it, yeah. it makes it more frightening and i i kind of like it this is or, or doing a close up of a barrel with a muzzle flare to let you know it is a gun. Yeah, it's right. not yeah. spoon feeding you stupid stuff. Or this... or showing a scope moving because they apparently in this movie they couldn't figure out how to show a scope moving or binoculars moving. Every time they show binoculars, it's just a completely locked off with like the shape of binoculars, and I'm like nobody can hold binoculars that still. <laughs> like that is <laughs> that is not right. They they literally. Um do that like that that's a thing that happens in this movie which is which is crazy because it's just a filter obviously yeah they just they, yeah or they just like cut out cardboard and put it on the lens <laughs> of the, yeah. yeah yeah and then once uh, they once they head back inside like can we do a quick uh chat shout out here yes so yes. noel has listed a amazing amount of movies where children are killed and none of them are as <laughs> in birds. None, none of them are uh, none of them are as the great as the this children. Movie. Alien versus Predator, Dawn of the Dead, Face Off, Taps, Doctor Zhivago, American Sniper, Halloween Three, The Toxic Toxic Avenger, Ghost Ship, Grave of the Fireflies, Interview with a Vampire, Pet Cemetery, Battle Royal, Hunger Games, The Happening, Les Misérables, and Schindler's List. Mm. Well. Toxic Avenger wouldn't be a Toxic Avenger movie if a few children were getting killed. Yeah, that. it's not a trauma film unless you get kid <laughs> yeah. death trauma. Yeah, yeah, that Lloyd Coffin wouldn't be worth his weight in salt if he wasn't killing a few exactly. kids in this movie. And I just want to say, I want to say too that um, I think it's safe to say this is sort of the beginning of the Home Alone of it all. Mm. 
I think that's so. Fair. When do you think in the movie? Oh, so you think the Home Alone? Is the Home Alone of it all? Can someone please tell me when the Home Alone? I really got to know. When is the Home Alone of it all? What is the Home Alone of it all? Now that's the Home Alone of it all. In my opinion, in my opinion, the movie Assault on Precinct 13 <laughs> is when the precinct starts getting assaulted. That's my. I think that's, <laughs> that's my moment. <laughs> And the the lion's share of the plot information has already happened at this point. I think we're moving at a steady clip. I we do have a kind of a hard out at uh, between ten and ten thirty tonight, and I wanted to make sure that we covered all that stuff because from here on out, it is essentially a forty five minute long action sequence with a couple stop breaks to just like, yeah. How do we trap this place better? Yeah. <laughs> So they this this first part is awesome. I thought it was so cool. <laughs> I couldn't look away. The place is just getting shot up through every window. Like they they haven't yeah. they don't even start actually assaulting the place with their human bodies, or their human bodies, <laughs> or their no, uh, student body, or no, their uh, <laughs> Prince of Darkness bodies, alien blob bodies. They. <laughs> shoot this place up and i thought the special effects for this place getting shot up was so cool and i wanted to ask you guys if you had any insight on how they would have achieved this effect did they just put squibs on things and set them off yeah or or even like i was thinking even for the windows just something as simple as either yanking the window out or throwing something straight up through the window that wouldn't be captured on film. Like if you're able to get away throwing a rock through it without it being absolutely visible and it, it will, it will work and the edits quick enough and it just has to be effective and you just have to, yeah. and, and that's where I think the sound design in this sequence also helps so very much with keeping it nice and simple. And, and the fact that we're talking about like them using silencers is a big, big deal in this movie because they talk uh, about it's, it, it so much, so much, <laughs> so much. But but because it, it's it's something that they're really not used to, and it, and yeah. it, it also adds this element of like they don't know where they're shooting from, and it also helps to uh, envelope the situation because the people in the neighborhood, if they are in within earshot, no pun, uh, of what's going on, then they won't be able to really tell where it's happening. Or what yeah. exactly is happening? Is it gunfire or fireworks that we're hearing? We don't know. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it is it, like it is mentioned a lot, but it, it is still purposeful, and um, <gasps> and it, and it adds to this element of like this is the advantage that these guys have that they hint to at the beginning that like it they they have not just a lot of weapons but advanced weapons for street gangs. Yeah. And yeah, uh, we see a lot of and, and, and that whole sequence with the sound design is great. Yeah. The sound design is fantastic. We see a lot of different kinds of weapons in this movie. There's a hunting rifle that comes into play at one point. There's various handguns. Um, yeah. There's uh, the shotguns at the beginning. There's a shotgun later in the movie. The, it, I thought that mm-hmm. that was a really good, uh, the, the use and the setup of, for those weapons in the precinct are great too, where when he's meeting the old captain who has the, bizarre hair hairstyle which i couldn't decipher when i looked at that head but anyway um, i mean he also he's just walking up looks odd in general he's got hat hair like <laughs> it looks like he was wearing the hat a lot and that's yeah. why his hair is all weird yeah <laughs> yeah like there's like two parts interjecting with each other it was you know it was a quantum haircut but anyway um <laughs> the uh the 
the while he's like giving the dialogue, explaining the situation, and and he's gonna you know get the hell out of Dodge, he's locking up like all the weapons there, yeah. and so that you know that's a, a another great setup and payoff in in the movies when everything starts happening, the 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 manic behavior, everyone trying to uh, unlock this thing to get the weapons out, and then when they're finally out, that's when like the big mayhem being fired back at everybody and great great setup with that i I actually really enjoyed that quite a bit yeah Yeah, i think that all three of us can probably agree that like as video game players of the (laughs) of the same era you know like we watching that you're like we're gonna need that shotgun later yeah (laughs) where are you putting the key where's the key going i thought the most most ridiculous thing was uh bishop firing a uh a hunting rifle from the hip and just wrecking house with it like not using the sights just shooting it from the like just well i yeah there's to me there was also sort of an implication that maybe he has advanced knowledge of weaponry outside of being a police officer because he knew what silencers were immediately and like in the 70s it wasn't like common knowledge that a silencer would be a thing you would be maybe a little bit more like not as well versed, you know. Not everybody played Goldeneye for Nintendo yeah. sixty four in the in the seventies. <laughs> They'd be like a silencer. Does it make it completely silent? No, it sounds like this. <laughs> <laughs> Just silences it slightly. Um, they he he does give uh, he gives uh, Nancy a gun or sorry Lee actually her name is another Lee character in a John Carpenter movie. Um, mm-hmm. he gives her a gun. She mans the windows. It, it seems to stop for a little and bit. And all of them, amazing shots. Yeah. They're all great shots. Everybody. Except Which for... also leads me to believe that she wasn't just, like, she must have been a police officer, been a police right? Officer, like officer, yeah. She's, she's capping, like, heads, like, from her, like, torso shots. Like, <laughs> yeah. And between not the brain. either. She's, she's staring it down. Yeah. <laughs> the she other knows thing how to use about a gun. Bishop too is during this scene after everything stops for a second, he sort of asks about the surrounding area, and I we didn't mention it, but when he got there, when he gets to the precinct, he actually, it's a weird scene where he looks and sees like all the exits and all like he gets a kind of a screenshot in his head of like what everything looks like, so that kind of lends to your he's got maybe he was a military guy or maybe he. You know, maybe he had something outside of being a police officer, but he's very I've, meticulous. Also, this was also the precinct that he was taken to as a 10-year-old right. boy. Yeah. So, like, he's probably, like, tripped down memory lane kind of thing, being like, oh, I remember being in here as a kid and my dad trying to scare the shit out of me and I carved that uh, anal rules or whatever on a <laughs> on a desk <laughs> or whatever. I love butt stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't know what he wrote. Uh, the, the operator. You guys never gave me your answers, but you know, we 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 decided it was a Quentin Tarantino "What's in the Briefcase" question. No, so. I told you what yeah. I thought it was: a penis with wings. That oh, says, right. yeah, you did. Fuck the police. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, eat my shorts. The, yeah, I think that's what he wrote. Yeah, eat all of our shirts. Yeah. The the operator woman, the secretary, is what she was listed as. Uh, her name is Nancy, I believe. She yeah. freaks out a little bit here. She's like, we got to get out of here. And because yeah. she thinks they're gone. And Bishop's like, no, don't you know that they're literally in the bushes surrounding us? Like, we got to sit tight. Somebody's going to come eventually. And B- Bishop takes a look out and he sees they, they're, it's not just four guys at this point. It's like 
a hundred people. Yeah. There's like a hundred yeah. dudes out there. It's an army. It's a whole an army. army of what do we call them? The blood the blood perverts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the blurferts. The cholo blood perverts. The the thunderstruck cholo blood perverts. So what is? Does anyone know what cholo means? I don't know what cholo means. Uh, it is a, uh, a Hispanic gang thing to say, and I, and I do think it actually does refer to something about blood. But I might be way way off. I with thought that a cholo because was like I a, am not chat, Hispanic. You know what cholo means. Tell us now. I thought a cholo was a was a a, span, a person of Mexican descent, like living in the United States. So then, why are they called yeah. the cholos when it's a, a clearly like a, a multi-ethnic gang? And they, and they make, and they make a point to said, mention that they're multi-ethnic. It just used ellipses yeah. on us, so I don't know if they're gonna uh, hit us with the information or if. They're just shaking their head at our incompetence right now. I mean, we probably could have looked it up before we did the episode. I looked up the the box office for like two hours. I couldn't find it. Are we allowed? But I didn't to look say up Cholo. Cholo. <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not, this this fish belly white nerd was never in a gang. So. <laughs> fish belly. You're like, but I have been called Cholo before, so I'm very confused. <laughs> uh, they... Anyway, the gang is called the Cholos, but like they like they sacrifice blood into a bowl and they're not there. There's like Asian black, white, like every, every type of person exists within this group of people, which I think yeah. is a smart decision on John Carpenter's part to be like, let's not make it a specific type of person. In the exactly. Game. Yeah. Cause the, once again, to not over inform the audience, like with, with background, it's just no, like by their nature, you get what they're about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bishop points out that they've set up a roadblock also. So they're, they're, they're shutting it down at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was wondering at this point why the building said division 14. (laughs) Uh, So they walk up and uh, it used to be 14, but we changed it to 13, but we didn't have the money to switch out the number. Exactly. It's supposed to be attack on <laughs> assault There's on like precinct 14 spray painted over top of the, but floor. this is when they walk up and they throw blood on the ground and put down a sign that we also like, don't see, right. They never show what it actually says on that flag. Right. Yeah. Which is, no, like, it's really, I, I, I even went back a couple times to try and read what it said. And it's, it's too like, poorly lit i couldn't understand it but even the people in the movie are like i think they're marking us for something and then he says it's a goddamn siege (laughs) yeah yeah which is what the movie was gonna be called as well a goddamn siege yeah but they said not the title of the movie in the movie yeah (laughs) um it seems like they want the dad but they slowly begin to realize that like later they realize that they're just kind of killing indiscriminately at this point their revenge is just the fact that they can't get to these people and mm-hmm. the, the the goons now start advancing on them with cars as shields which is crazy and they have kind yeah. of a shootout bishop bishop and the crew are just kind of unloading ammo on them but it's just oh, hitting the cars interesting yeah do you uh, want to read uh do you want to read a yeah couple no of that's these? actually like it kind of makes it make a little bit more sense so noel in the chat has told us what it means it's it's a loosely defined term with various meanings Mm. number one a derogatory term for people of mixed blood heritage in the spanish empire which that makes sense that they're all bleeding into a bowl together so we have like a like somebody who i think with the hat it's they're supposed to be of cuban descent (laughs) and then there's like a mexican guy a black guy and a white guy and they all cut their arms open and they bleed into a singular bowl mixing all their blood together and I, yeah. I guess that 
calling themselves the Cholos. I guess that makes sense. And then number two is basically what I said. Uh, a person, a who, person dresses who dresses as or, belongs or belongs to a certain to, use. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. U.S. subculture who is of Mexican descent. That's I know the word from like Mexicans who live in Los Angeles are called Cholos. And that's I just made an assumption based on based on other movies where they say Cholo. <laughs> I've just heard it before. And then I watched it in this and it was like, I thought that was a bad word. Is it a bad word? <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> It'd be like using like a really bad word as your gang name. <laughs> So that's no one else is allowed to say it, you know, like it's one of those racial slurs that's like kind of socially acceptable, like cracker. Maybe not. Imagine, Maybe imagine cracker. Cracker's not. I don't think we can say cracker on Twitch, actually. Oh, shit. Well, well oh, the video has been oh, dropped. Oh, God, we're demonetized. Oh, my God. Jason, you owe $200,000 to Twitch for your indiscretion. I've been canceled on like 90% of our episodes. For basically nothing. Um, one of the groups gets in and the women kicks him in the nuts. <laughs> yeah, she she does a good job of nut busting and then she also shoots a couple guys. Yep. Uh, Which, you know, she, she, he, Napoleon through the rest of the movie is like, you act fast, you're pretty fast. And she's like, I'm a fucking police officer, is what I felt like she should have said to him. Uh, basically, I feel like she's function. also, because she's in her like regular person clothing, <clears throat> she's like, I don't need to tell anybody here that I'm a police officer. Yeah. I feel like I can earn their respect without saying like I'm a police officer. And you know what? She does. And she does a pretty good job of it. Cause she's good at fighting. She's good at talking and she's not like being swayed by their gross male gaze, right. which is good. <laughs> yeah. Um, she frees Very Nap- stoic. She frees Napoleon. They escape out, out from where the cells are. And now there's just multiple men entering the building. Um, they get a sort of, it's sort of a MacGuffin, the 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 ammo box that ends up. It's not a MacGuffin. It's it's a it's kind of a plot point item, but he can't get into the ammo box to get more weapons. Uh, and at the very last second, he gets the box open, throws a gun to Napoleon. Napoleon blasts the guys that are coming through the door that were behind him and uh, Lee as they escape from where the and Napoleon. Poor posture shot. aside, he's a crack shot. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's such poor posture is because like he's his skeleton has been like reformed to be able to have the perfect posture for shooting a shotgun. He's from like the hip. he's like Angelina Jolie and wanted. Yeah, he can fire bullets around corners <laughs> just, by just whipping yeah. his whipping exactly his... like that. <laughs> exactly like that. Um, they they've bla- the blasted out. Uh, sorry, let me start that over. The guys getting shot out the windows, like they climb up and try to get into the window and then they get shot and blasted backwards out the window. I thought that stuff looked really cool. The gunplay yeah. in this in this section is really, really cool. Um, I feel like, though, the shotgun blasts uh, that Napoleon's doing, he's just wasting ammo because he always double taps for some reason. Even though shooting somebody and them falling out of a second story window, I'm pretty sure is going to one bullet should do it that's just a nitpick that i had i don't um, think they're yeah. on a second story though are they yeah they're like upstairs remember later when they're like we can't go back upstairs it's it's oh, done right uh yeah. bishop is shooting i mean hunting. one floor i've fallen one floor <laughs> but, my bones are all intact but with a bullet in you <laughs> hey bullet no bullet i feel like my bones will be fine <laughs> I feel like my mouth was fine. The uh, bishop is shooting a hunting rifle from the hip, like it's nothing, which I already pointed out. And then there mm-hmm. was that cool shot of them all shooting, like that 
like them each taking yeah. shots, which I think was just like an artistic thing that John Carpenter just thought up. It's probably like, what if we just have show all of them? And that lends to your sort of idea of like these are all people from different walks of life coming together to they are yeah sort of well you have you have uh, a black police officer in a very like a crumbling neighborhood that he grew up in. You have yeah. a mysterious prisoner who is constantly asking people for cigarettes. You have a, a white woman who is undescript in what her profession is, but she is in the police station and yeah. everybody who was in the police station that knew her is gone, including her friend who gets killed, the, the switchboard operator. Yeah. And then you have the other prisoner. Uh, and then you have the man who has lost his daughter, but nobody knows what the fuck's going through his mind because he's gone into a state of like insanity. Yeah, he's, he's, catatonic catatonic he, he's, yeah. he's seen his daughter get killed and then he's murdered the leader of a, a ghost gang that's coming to kill everyone. <laughs> to the and point like, that this next shot is like they just show the aftermath and it turns out that the secretary woman is dead and he's sitting next to her. And I thought I didn't make the note until later to specify now that he wasn't dead, but I thought he also got killed because he's just sitting there like eyes wide yeah. open staring. But no, he's just in a weird brain dead catatonic PTSD. No, state. he's, 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 his mind has been lost. Yeah. Um, I, I, t I tell you one thing that I kind of hoped from that one part though, uh, with the uh, switchboard, uh, uh, person that, and she got killed that it, it would have been, somewhat completing her character a bit if she happened to have gotten killed uh leaping over him uh defending him from a bullet yeah right uh, because she wanted to give him up to say like well if, if he's the one that they're after let's just give him up and then the lieutenant says no no while i don't care what it is but while people are under my care they're staying alive we're protecting people that's our job and that would have been like a somewhat good tying up that thread for her but right. at the same time, it's well within the, the theming of the movie where there's people who are just getting mowed down mm -hmm. at the same time and, and, and yeah, without any dignity or grace to it. Yeah. And it, it also just kind of, it almost feels like because this police station is being dismantled, mm -hmm. none of them should be there, right? Like mm -hmm. none of them, not a single one of them should be there except yeah. for maybe Bishop. That's yeah. right. And this who is, is like the, the is, final hours of this precinct before yeah. it is really truly shut down forever. Because the two women were like about to go home for the day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, I had a I had a rant that I was gonna go on, but it'll it'll maybe go on too long. So let's 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 cut <laughs> it off. Uh, yeah. Too many, too many threads, but they're all threading into one one thing, which is like the survival of the group, the group together. Yeah. Which, yeah. unfortunately, slowly starts to get chipped away at. Right. So we do have to sort of push things along here a little bit. Um, they This is where they find the Cetraline um, explosives. Uh, the the office woman, um, Lee, has been shot. She gets, she gets fixed up. It turns out now that the goons have taken the bodies and the cars, put the cars Listen, back. I think we can safely say that Lee is a cop. She's a cop. She's a cop. She's yeah. got to be a cop. Um, yeah, they they realize that the goons aren't afraid that they could potentially be killed. This is a fight to the death. Um, Wells, the the other um, 
inmate. He wants to bounce. And Bishop is like, you can't go out there. Wells is freaking out. Um, it also turns out a little funny thing where Wells's gun wasn't loaded. And because there was a silencer on it, he thought he was shooting bullets, but he wasn't. He was probably shooting a couple of bullets at first. At first. But if, but you know what, actually, yep. if, if he didn't have any bullets at all to begin with, then maybe he thought he was shooting bullets the whole time. Yeah. Because, like, the first few, you would feel a kick. Like, you're going to still, even with a silencer, you're going to feel a kickback on the gun, right? Absolutely. Oh, um, and this is also where Lee turns into Captain Kirk. When she gets, like, the beam of light on her eyes. Yeah, or like a film noir where she's talking about her life and stuff. And finally, Napoleon gets a smoke, and we get to see that Lee and Napoleon are smitten a little bit. They keep giving each other sort of, like, staring knowing i found this disappointing by the way why i I just want to because i think that she and bishop had really good chemistry at the beginning and she was like oh you're the one taking over and like maybe her that's a good point actually not wanting to like interfere with him taking over the the precinct would you know stop that or like a professional respect or whatever and just like you know like nothing comes of that and then obviously there's like the aspect of like the the intrigue of a prisoner who's murdered a bunch of people and everybody knows his story except us, the audience, like uh, who the the fuck is this guy? Who did he kill and why? Mm -hmm. Like he is like snake Plissken basically. Mm -hmm. And so I guess she's attracted to that. But like at the same time, I I, I think that Bishop is far more desirable to me as an audience member than, uh, than I was the opposite. I was like, I didn't even clock. I didn't even realize that that could be a thing till I was like, oh yeah, when they first got there, they had like a little flirty thing. But as soon as I saw Napoleon in her, I was like, I shipped that. That's my, <laughs> I think that I just, it's my personal, like a Bishop was like, he's like, he's a cutie. He's like, he's got this like good spirit and he's nice and he trusts everybody. And like, he, he, it wants everybody to say, be safe. I'm like, this guy is, this is the one you mm-hmm. got to go for him. Like, why would you go for this schmuck who, <laughs> has poor posture he his posture <laughs> he's a crack shot though but at, at the same time it's not like outright it's understated and you can almost kind of say in that situation you're you're probably building bonds and connections and then because at the end of it 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 there is nothing to it uh, oh, at least Tim, for Tim's given to the audience the, the catatonic dad that's what you're, you're, that's what you're into eh? <laughs> I oh, think the catatonic dad the... and her were really having an off screen thing yeah, yeah. Uh, the other cops uh, are now in the area they get warned about possible gunfire or maybe firecrackers and they can't seem to find it though and then I love the fact that the incompetent police officer is just like so hard headed that when his partner is like why don't we go down that street uh, there is an actual precinct down there why don't we take a look and he's like nah it's just the old the old Williams Road or whatever he says it's just a precinct down there it's obviously not the place um, Bish, yeah. Bish- you mean the, pre- the precinct on Elm Street <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Uh, Bishop uh, spots a sewer cover and thinks that they could they might be able to escape uh, through the through the basement through the sewer and mm. Wells is like shit 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 uh he's a natural born loser 
is what it turns out because they're like, okay, we'll, we'll do potatoes for it. One potato, two potato, which I do remember from my childhood, but I didn't. Yeah. didn't but they did prison rules. They, yeah, where they just kind of punch each other's fists. I didn't yeah. really get what's going on. I thought one potato, two potato was like you needed a circle of people and like somebody. Yeah. Anyway. Well, the issue is that they didn't have the rights to rock, paper, scissors because yeah. they only had $100,000. <laughs> um, so he, Mills has chosen to investigate the sewer and go through. Uh, Napoleon suggests that they hold up in the basement. Uh, they have a little bit of the talk about faith. Lee doesn't have much. Napoleon says you should hang out with better people. And she's like, but I've been hanging out with cops for the last five years. So I think that was a little bit of that, like, look at the camera, like police are, are shit. Um, a cab. A cab. Wells makes it to the car and the goons start to approach again. He hotwires the car and he thinks he's made it to the payphone and gets shot in the head. Bishop sees this through the window, laughs and says, oh, maybe the window just broke, which is yeah, like. Maybe it was just some sort of breaking window. Which is just huffing copium. Just like, it's probably yeah. fine. It's just a breaking window. I thought that part was very weird. Yeah. It was shot weirdly and i didn't like it yeah but. this this is it, it was almost like bordering on a simpsons gag we're like it, it's a little airborne it's still good yeah. it's still good yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah oh this movie uh passes the bechdel test uh when lee answers julie's phone line question so hey yeah the bare minimum the required bare minimum passed, the bar yeah. on the ground <laughs> um that's that's big for 76 a big time i i would say I, none of these girls got their tops ripped off which uh is a thing that happens in 70s movies not in john carpenter movies not in john you, carpenter don't, movies you don't see the only tits you see in a john carpenter i think is they live halloween no? yeah doesn't halloween have i think you see a half boob a but half not boob? a full boob yeah um, they head to the basement <laughs> and they try to make their escape. Uh, they have basically no ammo at this point and Bishop is, uh, going to try and make it through with like the eight bullets they have or whatever. Uh, they plan. Yeah. To... It's like three, three and two. Yeah. So that is eight. Yeah. yeah. They uh, plan to set up an explosion. I think meant to be part distraction, part try to like blow up some of the people coming in. No, they want to, they want to mm. funnel them into a hallway. Yes. Which is great yeah. tactics, by the way. I'm playing a lot of Baldur's Bait three right now. And you know, funneling oh, people into a hallway is a good way to kill a lot of people. But uh, it's also like straight up from the old Western Alamo movie yeah. where like the, the Armada's coming into the actual uh, fort and all that, you yeah, know, where they're like, we're going to put a, a powder keg over here, a black powder. And we're going to, make a yeah. string of it yeah, Red Dead, like, every oh, yeah. Some, some great moments i think you attack a you attack a fortress and you have to like systematically blow up the the black powder um mm -hmm. the cops do finally show up but nothing's happening of course because the goons are in the bushes and they've just missed the huge like action moment of the car but like what do you think the goons are doing the whole time they're just hanging they out all going like this? standing there in complete silence <laughs> Just like lying there in the dirt with their rifles, being like, if anybody leaves, just shoot them. Just shoot them. They're they're just doing combat rolls in the parking lot, mumbling the word "cholo" to each other over and over. Blood, 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 blood. Now we got to get a new bucket of blood. Yeah. And they the the cops just leave. Hell is, I accidentally tipped over the blood barrel. God damn it! Let's kill him. We need to need to fill it up again, and then we're gonna kill you. So the curious cop I do like, uh, he's they're trying to leave, and the, the hard-headed cop is like, there's nothing here. And he's like, that place had a bad vibe to it. I'm like, yeah, 
And then finally they pull up on, they like pull over and there's like this tapping on the top of the car. And they're like, what the hell is that? And it turns out that it's blood dripping from a guy that was trying to fix the phone lines yeah um in the area because the phone so this is like unnecessary right like this probably cost them a lot to shoot they didn't they didn't need to do this right i look it was a cool shot it looked it looked it was a cool shot yeah actually yeah and at at least it's giving the audience that um i think you heard me i thought you're gonna say giving cunt as they say (laughs) on the internet serving cunt so hard (laughs) oh my gosh uh no, but uh, uh they're giving the audience that um where you know like the police aren't just going to show up. There's got to be some little build up as to why they do show up when they do, and so there's there's got to be something that sparks it off, and and that's not out of uh, out of motif for the film where there is these little setups and then the payoff, and so like everything you see in this movie is here for a reason, and and. Uh, but uh, so, so I, it, it, it not the most necessary thing. Like uh, you, you could play it a little more subtly and, and omit that. But I think for a, a somewhat general audience, uh, you, you do kind of want something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I also think that there was probably a, a scene written into this movie where there is a, like a, a, a phone te- telephone company van similar to the ice cream van that goes up and is like, yeah, he's going up and he's dealing with shit. And then it's like, Oh, the police line needs to go down, you know, like tomorrow morning. Yeah. And then he checks it and he's like, police lines are already down. It's like, oh, yeah, it's not yeah. supposed to be down yet. Go check it out. And then he goes over there and then he climbs up and then they're like, and he's like, as he's climbing up, it's got to go down anyway. Why am I checking? That's exactly what I imagined. In fact, I, it, that I thought that was that effective to just show that, and it was kind of a horror moment too because you got the blood yeah. drip. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. But, but I mean, up until that point, I thought that they had just cut the cut the telephone line, line right? Like a screen yeah. movie or anything, right? Like I thought that they just like snipped it. I didn't. I didn't yeah. need to see a guy hanging there being like full of bullet holes. But I. I mean, I but didn't. It, it, dislike it i just was kind of like oh yeah oh. in in the comm chatter though on the police well, uh cruiser they did yeah. say uh oh and there's and a missing there's also a missing repair van repair or person. something <laughs> yeah like, what the fuck? so i that was yeah. when i was like what the fuck and then they show it like seconds later i'm like oh there he well, is especially since <laughs> found the, him yeah. especially since the next part is like the final battle like they they almost add too much new information right there i guess with that with that whole sequence mm-hmm. but it, yeah it, it does lend itself to just allowing you to use your imagination a little bit, which I always appreciate. And it's a John Carpenter thing to just show a gruesome thing. That's cool. Yeah. Cut to it. And speaking of, I really liked how this final scene goes down this final, because they, they get this sign into the basement or it's just down there. And they're like, we'll use that as like a shield to like push the guys back. And they start what they hear the guys coming in the, the, the goons and they're walking down the hallway slowly and they're kind of like, well, if we don't make it out alive, it was good to know you kind of speech. And the guys start coming in. They fire off their like mm. last six rounds. A small explosion oh. goes off and then they push. A I little think that the conversation between them is a, is a little bit better than that. It's pretty good. 
No, I know, but you know, for the okay. the sake right, of right. time. Yeah, he asks him like, "Why? Why you called Napoleon anyway?" And he's maybe sometime I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. I guess that is that is a part that I should. And then he's like, "Well, why don't you tell me now?" And he's like, "I'll tell you in a couple minutes." Like as the explosions are happening and stuff, it's 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 a good moment where you're like the camaraderie between them is is strong. They can. You yeah, can this is tell. their bond. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I notice here that Bishop whistles when he's nervous. Uh, I think he does it earlier in the movie too, like when he first gets. To the yeah, when you first see him and he's scoping the neighborhood as he's yeah. getting to his uh, cruiser. Yeah, or maybe it's just like a, a tick for when he's absorbing information. Um, right. Yeah, I wrote down the the thing about the. Maybe I'll tell you sometime. So they use the mm-hmm. last couple bullets. We hear the explosions off screen, which I thought was ridiculous. Like we don't get one explosion; we just get kind of a flash. Uh, there's a man coming through the vent behind them. Lee is there with, with a gun with her last couple of bullets that she uses up. Another explosion goes off, a bigger one. And then the police show up and the cops find them. And then that's pretty much it. The, 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 the part, the part that was interesting about the, the fight scene, I guess was there was a lot of blood. There was a lot of them batting them off with like, he has like a wrench or something or a st- like a baton and there's yeah. a lot of like what bishop has like what looks to be like the leg of a like child's, leg of a chi- child's vanity mirror yes like it's like this <laughs> tile, tiny little like like wrap your knuckles if you're bad thanks leon uh, thanks for coming through. yeah that i was like what is that what is he holding he's just batting them off with like this little stick and he yeah. bashes a yeah. guy on the hand and blood goes everywhere i was like that spark- starts spewing and then like another guy just falls over dead or he's like bleeding from his head and he's like lying on the ground i'm like who who hit him with what how how is that guy okay let's just see what happens i suppose we and get, then they blow up the corridor yeah we get one final does anybody got a smoke which i thought was great um so they take the dad out of there um lee uh, the the guy comes down and is like we got a stretcher for you too lee and she's like yep. storms past them and it's like i don't need no stinking <laughs> i don't need no man or stretcher uh yeah. lee and napoleon have another but i look. am a man stretcher if you know what i mean <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> <laughs> yes she bounces. Um, I thought this would work as a stage play. I thought this movie would be a great stage yeah. play. Um, a lot of the uh, the a lot of these types of movies, the, the 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 holding off until the last moment movies, absolutely would make amazing stage plays. I don't have you guys. Have, you guys have seen The Hateful Eight? I assume both of you. I haven't seen it. No. Yeah, I haven't seen it. The Hateful Eight, when I saw that movie the first time, it's three hours long. It's very That's long. That's why I haven't seen it. But yeah. the reason you didn't watch it is because it was long. Yeah, because I keep there's movies that I like go to put on and I'm like three hours. Anyway, sorry. I, I admit at this point in my life, that is a thing for me, for sure. Well, but right. Hateful Eight's anyway, great, though. I saw it twice in theaters because I thought it was great. But I still recall to this day, and I haven't seen it since then, the entire layout of the room that they were in. I could probably okay. draw it if I had to. I could probably draw yeah. the 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 interior of the haberdashery that they're they're stuck inside of. And yeah. uh that kind of commitment to a singular location in a movie is very very hard to pull off. And this movie I can picture the precinct in my head like I can 
kind of picture the layout of it, right? Yeah, you can you can do it, and that that's interesting, and it does suit itself well to a stage play. Like you could have, you could even turn it into a musical if you wanted to. Well, I yeah. I made a lot of comparisons to this movie to um, Evil Dead uh, as I was kind of, yeah. especially reading about like the production that. stuff, and the Evil Dead musical uh, was actually like uh, beat for beat uh, everything, but like the, for them to get the layout of the cabin on stage like that was also very impressive and still be functional for them spraying blood onto the audience and everything. Yeah, and um, I can see like something like the set for this movie of the precinct being made functional while still being visible for all that in a, in a play setting. And, and you could just absolutely move, right. And you could, for the last scene, you could just at the third act, the second act at intermission, you could almost just switch it over to the basement yeah. and just have, just rewrite it. Yeah. So it all happens in the basement. Just, just the, the end of the movie is great. I really liked the, this conversation. I also liked, um, you're pretty fancy Wilson. He's like, I have moments. And then they walk out together. And well, no, what he says is, "It would be an honor for you to walk out with me." Right. And then he says, "I know it would." And they yeah. kind of pat each other on the butt. This is like a real Han Solo line, you know, like something that yeah. Han Solo would say to like a person yeah. that is freeing it. I love you. Yeah. I know. Play- playfully arrogant. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, even the cop comes up and tries to arrest him, and he's like, "No, no, no, no." And then the cop still tries to arrest him. He's like, leave him the fuck out of here. He just saved everybody in this goddamn precinct. So that is the film uh, Attack on Precinct 13. No MPAA rating game this week. So we're going to go into our... We can still play it and just pretend like we know what it is. Jason, just make up a number in your mind. I'm just kidding. I'll do that event. I'll do that when we have more time. Right. It's the Jason number guessing game. Um, Tim, of course, just like the start, it is the uh, I give the opportunity to the guest to go first. So, when you give us your final thoughts and if you have some sort of rating for the film Assault on Precinct Thirteen, why you hit us with it? Um, well, when uh, you two first asked uh, for me to do this particular um, review with you, I. Uh, wanted to kind of go on a bit of a diet away from John Carpenter movies for a bit uh, and like not watch anything else and not watch this two ahead of time and just kind of watch it fresh because I did know it was one of his early stuff and it was one I hadn't seen in a long, long time. So I kind of wanted to keep the palette clear as I kind of walked into it uh, to keep my thoughts as succinct as possible. And, uh, and I'm happy that I did because uh, it was really interesting to uh, observe this uh, as because uh, I find the creative process to be very, very fascinating and to watch and, and learn about creative people in their early projects and to see something where they have like a creative voice so well realized that like even though I made my comments about this is a bit of a raw time for John Carpenter that there's still a few things to be uh, developed like it's it's and like this is just out of film school for him from uh, uh, USC and uh, where a, a lot of the people involved in the production went to school with him and uh, and and to hear uh, and read up on some of the stuff where like for like the sound for the music and the sound design they admit that they were using outdated technology to make this movie and yeah. to do it in 1976 to such effect where it still looks really good 
and you're 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 so well informed of what's going on not just as we've mentioned so much with the characters but as we were just talking about with the sets and whatnot that we have a three-dimensional scape in our mind of what's going on here and 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 how they're navigating around it and, and we and we're kind of there um so to accomplish all that in 1976 in less than a hundred thousand dollars like that alone gives this movie notoriety for me uh so i'm very happy and thank you both very much for bringing me back again uh for this it's always fun and uh and and, and it was really fun to watch this movie again and it's given me a bit of added appreciation for John Carpenter movies in general across the spectrum of them. And as far as my rating goes, uh, I'll give it, I'm not going to give it a chicken night in Turkey. I'm going to give it a turkey night in Turkey. It's, awesome. it's, it achieves what it sets out to do. Fantastic. Thank you. They're like, we figured them out. It's a turkey. <laughs> All right, Steve, hit us with your final thoughts for the film Assault on Precinct 13. All right. It's not at the top of my list of of Carpenter movies. It's not at the bottom of my list of Carpenter movies, but it's right in the middle, I think. It's one of the ones that does show just how much control he has over making his movies feel like his movies. It it feels like a John Carpenter movie no matter what you say at the end of the day. You're looking at it and you're like, visually, beat-wise, uh, the the dialogue between characters, everything. It feels like John Carpenter. And that's all you really want when you watch a John Carpenter movie. And sometimes you'll get more than that, right? You'll you'll get something where there's magic involved or aliens involved and you're like, you're, the mysticism of your mind takes over and you're, you're more intrigued than just the filmmaker. But I think, unfortunately for me, I don't look past that very far because we don't get much of it, but there is still something there, right? Like we have this band of villains that we never really understand. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd like to know a little bit more. And I, I think that that's where Prince of Darkness came from and where Mouth of Madness came from, where he's like, I, I want to have the villains be more interesting than just ghosts that exist around you it's it's a zombie movie yes but imagine they had something more to them imagine there was an amulet <laughs> what if they found an amulet or some shit that'd be cool or green goo yeah green goo all that but you know the movie is is not about that it's about the people at the end of the at the end of the uh movie uh the three people standing together and you know like john carpenter has always been pretty good about making sure that representation in uh matters i guess but like at the same time not like swashing people and, and it's it's nice i think that like y y you would look at this movie and like nowadays people would be like the movie's woke and i'm like no it's just a movie it's just a movie where everyone's represented equally on screen and like you should probably appreciate it for what it is and mm -hmm. i like that as well um if i had to give this movie a rating i would give it a District nine out of a precinct 13 out of a uh, labeled 14. That's what I would give it. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. That, yeah, that's a tough man. I couldn't believe it when they were like precinct nine. I was like, anyway, um, I liked it. It didn't feel like a stuffy 70s movie and had a great art 
like a story arc. Um, I would say it, it was a little longer winded for what I think could have been like, you could have made a really good short out of this. Like a, you know what I mean? Like a really cool, really sleek, obviously it works better as a film um, after we've dialed down into everything. But I think this could have been a cool short. Um, I enjoy the characters and you can't really make less than a 90 minute feature and include like a lot of characters. It would have to basically be just the three survivors in a short. That's sort of a weird tangent. I just went on. Doesn't matter. Don't focus on that. Focus on the fact that I like the movie. I love the innovation of John Carpenter here. Uh, that would be expanded upon in his next movies. The score and main theme were good to create tension and emotion. It does get a little slow at times, and this is an issue pacing-wise, but the story has to be told this way because it all takes place in four hours. And it all takes place in the first half of the movie. And the second half of the movie is literally an assault on a precinct. So it, it goes from being like a, a story... Are you telling me that <laughs> the movie Assault on Precinct 13 has an assault it, on it, a precinct? It goes from being a character exploration to suddenly being like a, kind of an action thriller. So that was that was neat. Thank you guys also for enlightening me and the stuff I was reading about it being sort of a new take on a Western because Westerns were like all the rage during this era. Um, and but also movies like, you know, Dirty, uh, Dirty Harry and uh, Bronson. Right. Like movies yeah. like Revenge Flicks. Bronson. Whatever. I mean, Death, the Death, Death Wish, Wish series. series yeah. with Bronson. Death Wish is a whole other level. We should do Death I would Wish love to do at some Death point. Wish yeah. Movies. Um, I give it a 3.2 hey, out of 5. what the hell are you what talking about? What the hell is this over here? Yeah. Uh, 3.2 <laughs> out of 5, which I think is a pretty safe rating. I would might even bump it to a 3.5 after having such a great discussion about it. Mm-hmm. And I give this movie the police showing up at the final moment to save the three protagonists. I don't know what that means. I just wrote it down. Um, you should have said 3.5 protagonists because one of them has <laughs> lost their mind. One of them has lost their whole brain. <laughs> Uh, thank you to myself. Let's see. Um, with that, I'm going to say our goodbyes. Uh, just Tim, do you have anything you want to plug? At the moment, no, but I do want to do things in the future. So perhaps later on, I'll have something to say. Okay, fantastic. Um, you can find us on all social media across the whole internet. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify, YouTube, Twitch. That's where you're at right now if you're watching. You can find us in the club every night, uh, every week at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on Twitch. At hated to see this one across all social media. Um, and I think with that, Tim, uh, there's just one burning question that everybody has. And what question would that be? Ooh, hey, did you see this one? You have to keep in mind that being a director doesn't mean that you're making what you want to make. More often than not, as a director, you're an employee working for the producer and you're doing what they want in your style as they see fit. Um, I think over time, he became cynical because he was being forced to make bigger movies with a larger budget, but not a budget large enough to make the movie that people wanted him to make because he did so well with lower budgets with like Escape from New York. Um, I think if you want a John Carpenter film to be successful, give him 
the minimal amount of money that he needs to tell the story that he wants, that he's happy with, and give it a wider release. The people are there to pay for it, and, and they will go watch it. Like, there are so many fans of his early stuff. It's as his budgets expanded, as the uh, expectations grew to be blockbusters, to be crazy action films. He's not an action director. Uh, he, he, he's a drama, he's a horror director. So when you're expecting multi-million dollar box office results from somebody who's not specialized in doing what you're expecting them to draw, what, what, what do you think is going to happen? Just let him do what he's good at, give it a wider release, in the end it's going to be cheaper, and you're going to see a bigger profit off of it. I think that he also sort of became disillusioned by the fact that you know he's very creative he has a he has a good understanding of of how to like put a person on screen and is responsible for several people becoming really famous in their careers but he also was met with people have like having been so impacted by his own movies that people started making John Carpenter movies that were better than John Carpenter movies that he could make and like, like he would see point. movies that reminded him so much of his own movies that he was like i think that there's there is a younger generation now that are making the same things that i would like to make Sam but Ramey they're making it better one of those people <laughs> he's he's watching his craft be perfected by people that were inspired by him which you know probably you feels about that and he can like sit back well I, I was gonna say it's probably like a double-edged sword where he's probably happy about the fact that he's influenced people to make something that he would love to make but seeing them make it better than him is like well I, i'm not needed here anymore like my job is done like I, i've seen what i would want to make and how i'd want to make it being made better than maybe i could have made, made it that's and an like, amazing point i never considered yeah. and it's kind of sad but at the same time it's like kind of nice you know like it, it means that you know his he has like a, a, a nice lush career and he made what like 19 20 movies something like that and each and every one of them has clearly inspired somebody because yeah. you can almost yeah. pinpoint a singular moment in any one of his movies that has been either homaged or completely ripped off or like redone in a loving way and like that's pretty fucking cool Hey, do you guys want to know a really interesting fact? Yeah. What's that? Homaged is not a real word. <laughs>